And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast talking about something Star Wars in this episode. Obi-Wan Kenobi faces his past in an epic finale. There will be... Grande does not get paid enough for Vader's shit. We are lifting racks with the Force. And let's talk about Reva's redemption. We are talking about Obi-Wan Part 6 this week. I am Hope and Happy Mando Season 3 Eve, everybody. And Happy Mando Eve to you, Chris. Oh, thanks, Hope. You know, two weeks late. <laughs> As oh, that's we do. true. That's right. That's right. But in the moment, in the moment right now, you know, yeah. I, oh, my God, everybody. Did you see that thing that Baby Yoda did? Yeah, right, right, right. In, in this week's God, episode. Didn't they release, like, the first 10 minutes of the first episode or something on YouTube? That I saw, like, the first 10 minutes of. If there was, it was a leak. <laughs> Oh, it looked like it looked that. like an official release, like they usually do for a a, a, a a teaser sort of thing sometimes. And I purposely went, "Nope, I'm not looking at that." And uh, which I don't know. I imagine that even if you were fake, if you faked one or leaked one or whatever, I don't know. I it would get watched a lot. But I know a lot of people would probably be like, "Nah, I can wait a couple days." <laughs> so I haven't actually seen that. So that's like all new. That's new to me, and I I work. You know, with I wouldn't say I'm the, on the forefront of Star Wars news, but I work in an organization that is actively always looking for Star Wars news. So that's, that's yeah, oh news yeah, to it was me. probably some, <laughs> just some bullshit I saw then, 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 you know. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm I'm so stressed about this next month because this this is why I'm kind of glad that we do our show the way we are because watching all my friends who do like weekly shows covering the episodes as they come out trying to figure out how to do both Mando and Bad Batch at the exact same time oh boy I'm so glad we're not that kind of podcast we don't have that format yeah luckily Uh, and like some people are like I know uh, Charles from Goldsrod Squadron K is like he was saying on their latest Bad Batch episode that they're gonna let Bad Batch breathe and they're gonna finish Bad Batch first and then do Mando season three. That way, like both series can kind of breathe, which I like totally get. But then I see other friends who are just like, "We're gonna do double releases," and I'm like, "Y'all are crazy. <laughs> Good luck." Well, no, I mean I, the thing about it is, is like, it's just like, you know, if if you if you really don't want to, you don't have to treat it like you're a consumer you know what i mean you don't have the to, algorithm you can, chris the algorithm you can well 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 but i when i say <laughs> you i don't mean you specifically hope because I, I, there I, I, you I are in working someplace where you have to write about it and stuff like that you know but if you're just a, a viewer of it the the way sh- shit is released now we finally reached that dream television 
place that I've always wanted out when I was a kid and we had regular television. I'm like, I can't wait till the technology comes to where you can just like, you know, go, go choose what you want to watch and watch it when, when you want to watch it, you know? And cause you could see it was coming like once stuff like HBO started and, and things like that, that it would just become more and more selective. So now you could, you could sit and you could finish off bad batch before you, uh, you start Mando. It'll be a little tough if you're, especially if you're online a lot, you know, not to get spoiled or, or to get get antsy because everybody's going like, oh my God, that was the best thing I've ever seen. Did you see issue uh, episode five or whatever, you know, and, and stuff like that. But I don't know. In my dotage, I just like, I can just sort of let it fly till I get my chance to watch it, you know. What I'm saying, like, Charles is still going to watch Mando. They're just not covering yeah. it on their show until they oh, finish Bad Batch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, he's still going to watch it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying, oh, I thought you were saying he thought Disney should have, like, given a rest between the two of them. Or... No. Though oh, actually, okay. So, that, never mind. That but is, people still don't need to <laughs> just be consumer. That is actually, like, a th- an argument that people are making is we have nothing coming in the summer. There's no reason that Mando couldn't wait four more weeks. Like, and even if they wanted to like wait until, cause Bad Batch is done in March. It's done. And then if it's like Mando can start in April and still be done before celebration. You know, <laughs> like, they, you know, you know what they might want to be doing like on a Disney level, they might want to be giving a little room for Indiana Jones, which is, it, Technically, a, a Lucasfilm venture, you know. But but if Mando started the week after Bad Batch ended, it's it is still finished before Star before. Wars Celebration and Indiana Jones comes out. Right, right. It's still finished. Like I just don't understand this like four week overlap. <laughs> like I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they're what they're thinking. Um, and the only thing I can the only thing I can actually think of is if there is some sort of synergy between like bad batch and and mando like if like say the final episode of bad batch has like boba fett or something and the same episode that drops for mando has like omega showing up like that is the only way i can think of like why they would do this to have that kind of synergy so it, it just it also just makes me upset as an animation fan because I just know that Bad Batch is just going to be buried under Mando. It's Mando is like the biggest thing that Star Wars yeah. has right now, and it's just yeah. going to get buried, and that like just hurts my feelings as an animation fan. So, well, it's like when Andor was on, then they would bury the listings of it, you know, like three lot three rows down and stuff, even though it was like the brand new only thing going on for Star Wars at the time, you know. And then when they picked up a popularity, they were just like, no, throw it out there on top, high billing, go. Because that one actually aired on cable. Yeah. uh, And because they were like, oh, this is popular. Go. (laughs) And then it's, you know, nominated for a shit ton of awards. So let's see. Whatever. Yeah, I think it was more critically popular than it was. I, I mean, I think it was a popular show, but as compared to other Star Wars shows, it was unpopular. You know, yeah. it, it was unpopular. That one if is graded on a curve with the popularity of the other Star Wars shows. So what's so interesting about that is there was an article that was released about Andor underperforming. 
and then like it, like drastically underperforming and it like the person who wrote it actually had to make a correction 24 hours later saying he inputted the data wrong and it was actually right on par with the with uh the other shows except for mando because it's like the biggest thing they have well, yeah, yeah so it was like right on par so yeah it's it's hard. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just bummed my, my animation. Oh, it doesn't matter. They're doing buried. season two of Andor, and it's only two seasons. So, mm-hmm. but boo, who cares? Okay. I don't care what the ratings are. It doesn't matter at this point. It doesn't matter what the ratings or, it does matter what the critics think because they want to get good ratings or you know they'll wanna want to get good critical things and get good ratings on it. It, but as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter because it'll have no bearing on whether it comes back or not. It's it's guaranteed to be finished up. So mm-hmm. good enough. The the two that I'm actually very interested in seeing how they perform is Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew, because like <laughs> long time fans are gonna watch Ahsoka. Ahsoka is a, a a a very popular, but character. it. But is she popular among like casual fans? And that's going to be the well. Test. She's got Rosario Dawson playing her, which also is something that casual fans and normies will go like, "Oh, maybe I would watch a Star Wars with Rosario Dawson in it." You know? Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be like kind of telling though, especially like knowing that like Ezra and Sabine are in it. I, I, I think, right. I think that's gonna be an interesting show to see how it plays out because I mean we're gonna watch it. And then I think the other interesting one is going to be Skeleton Crew, which is like all new story and characters that has like no tie into anything, like stand on, standing on its own live action with Jude Law. Well, they'll like, they'll have a chance. The thing with Ahsoka, the thing with Ahsoka is like anything else, they'll have a they'll have a chance to introduce new people to all those characters. So that and they'll you know I'm sure they'll write it in a way that like you know if you know the history of the characters, you'll be seeing it. But if you don't. They'll, they're still going to be introduced as you know their own characters. So if it if it I mean if it becomes successful if it becomes like a big hit then it, that could also mean all of a sudden people start streaming Rebels on Disney Plus. That's why like ratings don't mean a hell of a lot to me because I have this feeling that like if if the people who are doing the streaming services and Disney plus being the most likely to be, cause they're like the huge established. They're just a gigantic company and established that they'll realize that sometimes it's the long term that will measure the success of a show. Like, like the wizard of Oz was a flop when it came out and the critics hated it and the audiences were too hot on it. And, and then it and then it became like a TV, a yearly TV staple and just like embedded itself into generations, you know, so so stuff, you know, could have having having stuff that might not be successful the first time around might not be a bad idea because something else could come along in the future, especially with these shared universe things that all of a sudden you know, just like when a when when a movie or a comic comes out, and suddenly it makes a character really popular, that character in past issues becomes sought after, and those issues go up in price, you know, and stuff like that. Now they're making movies in that fashion, so you know, Rebels could be like 
a fairly successful animated show or successful for animated or fairly successful compared to like live action shows. But then Ahsoka gets big and then all of a sudden people are watching Rebels and uh, and are interested in it, you know, again. And, you know, and all of a sudden Rebels t-shirts are selling uh, off the Disney store. So who knows? Who knows? They just have to not release too much stuff that's shit. And and they're 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 golden pretty much you know and which i think they've been doing except for the movies (laughs) and even with the movies in my opinion they only really screwed up one of them but yeah yeah i mean there's always going to be haters but the the thing is it, it seems to be going strong you know yeah We'll have to see. So, anyway, we're not here for that. We are here for Kenobi finale. Polishing so, this off, yeah. What do you think of this episode? Wrap it, wrapping this this aging Jedi up. <laughs> I like the. I, I I'm gonna, like I'm gonna make a little. Because... I'm gonna make a little Obi Wan burrito and put him in my bed, and I'm gonna tuck him in and take care of him. I'll I'll wrap up that aging Jedi up and take good care of him. I I loved this episode the first time I saw it with a lot of caveats and uh, the caveats are still there, but I feel a lot better about them after the second viewing of them. So I really I, I, I mean, I think this is a very strongly it has some strongly realized scenes, you know, scenes in it. And for for what it has to do, which is finished all the tie up everything that they put out in this, it does a fantastic job of doing it mm-hmm. i i really love this finale too i mean i got i got a little choked up in this one more than the other one there were there were a few scenes where i was just like oh good nice actors actors <laughs> getting to act and 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 see this this is in this area where all the stuff and characters it would be in a movie you know and it's all sort of strongly based into the movie and for the first time, we've gotten stuff that looks like, you know, that's t- str- so strongly tied in with, you know, the prequels, especially with well, the prequels and the sequels. And it's for for stuff like for the stuff that's tied into that time period and having all these returning actors and stuff, they all get to act for the first time <laughs> and they write good enough material for them to have something to work with and uh it's there's parts of it that like seem like the prequels except the emotional beats are really working really well you know you're actually instead of going like oh yeah this is a sad scene you you're sad (laughs) you know because the actors are getting acting direction and are are giving get given dialogue that like you know they can they can emote to and it's it's really fun to see, you know. I mean, I mean, you and McGregor got to do more acting in this miniseries than in the three movies, you know, like real like oh yeah scenes, you know. So I, I totally agree. Like I I liked this way more than I liked it the first time I watched it, um, and it, it's so funny because at like. Though though I do want to try and remember to like put this in our our season recap, um, 
every episode I've rated like an eight or higher. And even then I was like struggling to think of what happened in the last few episodes. And it's, it's such a weird series about that because this was a stellar finale, but it's something that like, as soon as I was done with the outline, like it didn't linger with me. And I don't know what it is about the series that does this because I rated this finale high. It's great. And I yeah. don't know. And maybe because it has such closure that like it kind of like and, and maybe it's, I'm kind of rambling now, but like the series has such emotional closure. It's not like Andor where it's wanting you to like continue think continue thinking about it for like a long period of time, you know? No, this this series is more like therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like I don't have to think about this show it's for a to long provide time. emotional beats, but it isn't it isn't it 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 really doesn't succumb to being like nostalgia emotion beats. It 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 really like goes, okay, if we're gonna do this, what would be the real things going on with these characters in the situation? And with that it excels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, yeah, I loved it. I loved it the second time around, and I ended up, like, coming out of this with way more notes than I thought I would, so... Me too. Well, let's get into it, my friend. You ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 6 aired on Disney Plus on June 22nd, 2022. It was written by Joby Harold, Andrew Stanton, Hosan Amin, and Stuart Beatty, and it was directed by Deborah Chow. Some extra information for you. Ian McDermott is back once again, reprising his role as Emperor Papa Palpatine. And Liam Neeson reprises his role as Qui-Gon Jinn. He stepped back into the role before, uh, but only in animation. He was in a few episodes of Clone Wars during the Mortis arc and other places. Um, but this is the first time he, he's come back in live action. After this episode aired, though, Liam Neeson has indicated that this would be his last appearance as Qui-Gon Jinn, as he does not like the direction of Disney's Star Wars having so many shows. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he essentially said that with so many series in Star Wars now, it's making the franchise lose its magic. So this is probably the final time we'll see him as Qui-Gon Jinn. Obi-Wan's cave he lives in is drawn from the original script of A New Hope, where Ben is described as living in a cave. But the time production, but by the time that production started on the film, the location was transplanted into a hut. But there are still blue, blueprint drawings referring to his home as a cave. The cave is actually both thematic to Ben's character, but also important to the setting. His hut in A New Hope is actually located quite far from the Lars homestead, so the writers placed him in a cave much closer for Obi-Wan to keep an eye on Luke. And finally, the toy that Obi-Wan bought from Tika in the first episode and gives to Luke in this episode was intended to be the same model toy that Luke is playing with in A New Hope. You know who also likes playing with toys? Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. How you doing? It's okay. Good to see Qui-Gon. See a real Jedi, not some wimp like Obi-Wan. I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about you like making a car sound just like... Vroom. Vroom. Oh, it was so good to see Qui-Gon, wasn't it? It's been a while. Nice guy, that Qui-Gon. I say it's been a while, as if we didn't just cover Tales of the Jedi six weeks ago. <laughs> kind of a hippie, but okay. okay. Yeah, he's a fun Jedi. He's a fun guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, like the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> How many bad jokes can I tell to make Yoda go away? Oh, too many to keep track. <coughs> Hold on, Chris. <coughs> yes, Yoda has not washed lately, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I joked on spit. Sorry about that. <laughs> yes, Yoda gets that a lot. Um, but speaking of Qui-Gon being a force ghost in this episode, I had a question for you. Yeah, a question for Yoda about Qui-Gon, yes. Well, sort of about Qui-Gon. No. He's, the, he's the segue into the question. So, Better not be Grogu. No, it's not Grogu. I know oh. it's Grogu. I know it's Grogu Eve, but he's, but he's not back. He's not going to be back for a while, so I know. But at the end of this episode, Qui Gon Jinn came back as a Force Ghost. Yeah, it was Qui Gon Jinn. And nice guy. I, he is a very nice guy. And I started thinking, what if Yaddle was a Force Ghost? Uh, Yaddle. You know, he come back and talk to you. Yes. Yoda might be prepared for that. And Yoda she... might have some equipment from maybe from maybe Yoda found some Ghostbuster equipment. Oh no! I Ma- think that... Maybe Yoda's procured don't ask how do ask how do not his own little Pokeball. Like a Pokemon? Mmm, like a Yataman. Aww. A Yattle. A Yurtle. Yattle would absolutely be a ghost-type Pokemon. Sorry, Hope is now freaking out about her other favorite fandom. It's okay. Anyway, let's continue. (laughs) Yoda has connections. Oh, I mean, you have that, like, Hollywood money. Like, why why can't you go over to- Yes, Yoda would hire exorcists, Pokeballs. Why couldn't you go over to the ghost hunt the uh the the Ghostbusters film lot and take their stuff? Uh, Yoda was on the set just a few weeks ago, you know. Oh, you did some filming for Ghostbusters? No, 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 no. Filming for other things, but you know, Yoda has time between takes. Not much screen time for Yoda. So Yoda has lots of time to smoke cigarettes, walk around, look around. Yoda's small, can get into small places, find things maybe? Yes, find things, Yoda might. Are you saying that you went to different locations and stole their stuff? Yoda would not say that, because that would make Yoda culpable of possible crime. That would incriminate Yoda, yes! Maybe, yes. Maybe Yoda Yoda learned many lessons about that. Well, I'd rather not be taken in with you, so why don't you go off and I should let you know that Yaddle is not a Force ghost. Tell her to come on over. Yoda will say hi, yes. She'd stand right in the doorway, she should, because that's the best place for Yoda to see her. Mm. <laughs> You know she's gonna like crawl out from under your bed and just be like, Yoda. Yoda will be ready. Yoda. Bonk with the Pokeball. Yoda, it goes right through me. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Dario's trying to go to sleep like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> All right, Yoda. Go away before you incriminate me and Chris. Yeah, Jesus. Luckily, Chris doesn't need any more trouble. Luckily, Yaddle is not a force ghost, but I'd like to have his Pokeballs. Not so yet, anyway. That would My be God funny. wasn't a force ghost until this episode. He was sort of there in the morning, like his. Um, oh, you're right. You're because right. Because that's how Yoda found out how to He's be a force. More of ghost. a force voice. He was because like he a had force lightning bug or something. Yeah, it was in like the actually the final arc of Clone Wars that before season. Actually, let me rephrase this: the original final arc of Clone Wars before season seven aired. <clears throat> but uh, Yoda went to go figure out how to be a force ghost, and that's yep. where he talked to Qui Gon. So. Yep. Yeah, those are some weird episodes. Anyway, <clears throat> on to other weird episodes. You ready? I'm ready. Act one. And I'm going to just read this verbatim. Here we go. Recap of last week. Reva got stabbed and going to Tatooine to kill Luke while Obi-Wan and the path crew are on the run from Vader's peeps. Now you're all caught up. <laughs> I thought that. I wrote it out and I was like, that's good enough. <laughs> I usually don't read stuff verbatim, but I was like, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, um, for Act 1 and Act 2, since there's two separate storylines, I'm just going to separate the storylines so they're easier for me. So let's start on Tatooine. So on Tatooine, it's a beautiful sunny day. Everyone's enjoying their water. This big old gruff guy is just like, I'm the Obi-Wan's boss from Episode 1, I think. I didn't go back to look. I'm assuming it's Obi-Wan's boss from Episode 1 because I don't have time for things. And so he's just like, give me your water, old man. And the, the guy who's dishing out water is not an old man. And Reva comes up and she's like, excuse me. And the guy looks at him and he's just like, wait your turn. And she smacks the water out of his hand and like threatens him because she is looking for Owen. And Owen happens to be in town with Luke trying to find uh, uh, some sort of like speeder belt because, yeah, and the water guy comes in, and he's all like, Owen, you're in big trouble. Remember that Inquisitor from episode one and two? And Owen's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was just episode one. And the water guy's like, don't correct me. Um, he's, she's, she's, she's back, and she's looking for you. And Owen just like, fuck, fuck me. Luke, let's go. So they drive all the way back at home. And Owen, like, pushes Luke inside the door and goes over to Beru. But he's like, Beru, it's happening. Everything that we, like, were freaking out about, the Inquisitors are here and they're coming for Luke. And Beru's like, oh my gosh, really? He's like, yeah, what are we going to do? And she's like, don't worry, babe. I'm ready for it. Because apparently Beru is fucking Batman. And she, like, takes out bricks out of the wall. No, she's Sarah Connor from the Terminator movies. That's what she is, says Hope, who has never seen Terminator. So I'm taking Chris's word for it. <laughs> she like Sarah Connor had guns buried all over the place for when the robots came for her son. Oh, okay. Oh yes, then yes, that's a much better example. She went from a normal mom to a to an armed fighter, you know, with guns hidden all around. So there you go. Yep, that yes, that's a much better example. Listen to Chris, everybody, and she's like taking out bricks, and she like just starts pulling out weapons left and right, and she's just like, "We're 
fucking enough to take care of him, Owen. We're not gonna bring anyone else in. We're gonna fucking kick your ass and it's gonna be okay. And Owen's like, I am so scared and turned on by my wife right now. Okay, let's go. And they get ready for Rita. Anyway, back on the other side of the things, the path is under attack because they're trying to escape and there's a big ass Star Destroyer going like pew 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 after them. And on the Star Destroyer, Bitter is all just like, yes, Obi-Wan, yes, kill him. Kill I want to see him explode. And everyone's just like, ah, Vader, are you okay? And he's like, yes, get them. And anyway, the path ship is under attack. Attach? It's under attach, everybody. It's also under attack, because they can't attach a hyperdrive, because their hyperdrive is bu- uh, broken. Haha, <laughs> saved it. Um, and Ben is just like, oh, oh no, Roken is putting on a brave face, but we're all probably going to die. So Ben, is, like, stands up, and he's like, everyone, I'm gonna go draw Vader away, because he's just gonna forget about you if I leave, and he's after me. And Leia's like, you're gonna leave me? Are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, Leia, you're 10. Please don't say fucking. And she's like, I can do whatever the fuck I want because you're leaving me. And she runs off and cries. And then goes to Hasha and Hasha's like, Hasha, please take care of her and make sure she gets home. So Hasha goes to Leia, calms her down and gets her to talk to Ben. And Ben's like, look, I am so sorry. I can't take you all the way home. But Hasha's here and we he's great and he's like, one of our favorite characters, so it's fine. Also, here's Tala's gun holster in memory of the best character of this show. And Leia's just like, I know. She really was the best character of the show, wasn't she, Obi-Wan? And she and he's like, Yes, except for me, because I'm you and McGregor. And so they hug and they give each other a goodbye, and then Ben contemplates a few moments, and he tries one last time to call Qui-Gon for guidance. But of course, no one comes, except for Roken, and Roken's just like, Hey, your dropship is ready. And and, uh, Obi-Wan comes over and puts a hand on Roken's shoulder and goes, Roken, you're a very good leader, and you'll probably have your own Disney Plus show one day. And Roken's like, I know. I'm just getting started. And it's time for Obi-Wan to leave and lead Vader away. Pew! What'd you think of Act 1? It was good. Um, This is the weakest act to me. uh, Yeah. At this point, one of my notes is uh, not enough time for the subplot, which is the Luke subplot, which I still hold to. But it's better the second time. It, it, It went down smoother the second time. You know, it all it all sort of coming together and all of a sudden Luke being a character in it. Um, the the one part I noticed this time that I didn't notice that last time, which <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's 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 not it's not a bad thing, but I just noticed it's it's kind of a just sort of a, a tattooing thing where when they're like, Luke, you know, trouble's brewing the Tuscan Raider, and I'm like, oh man, it's the it's the super white people coming. Well, actually, it's Reva, but it's the it, as far as like who's coming after the you know the bad guys are are basically the space powerful space Nazis 
and they're going to blame the whole thing on like the Tuscans <laughs> who we've been building all these sympathy for. And now it's now we get that, to see like the locals just like, be, you know, well, <laughs> that line stuck out to me, too, because of that fact. Like we've had so much time with the Tuscans, with Book of Boba Fett and Mando. Right. That it, but it's and then it's kind of interesting Owen, because Owen's, Owen's a, a farmer on Tatooine, you know, he has, yeah, so it, he has a different point of view of the Tuscans, and it's a little bit, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit. We'll just lay this on that. We'll, we'll let Luke just think it was the Tuscans coming after him the whole time. Um, but uh, I noticed at the beginning when they show all the the like faces and they do, do the music that they're sneaking in Lola, the Leia's bot in there. And I'm like, you're, you're sorry, guys, you're just never going to make Lola a thing. I don't think I just don't think it's going to be a thing. <laughs> I just see all the other droids just like pulling up mean girls and looking at Lola and just being like, you can't sit with us. You when... can't put that makeup compact in here. Not next only, to Grievy. Only it's in binary. I'm like beep 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 beep. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't think she's as appealing of a bot. She's she's a good story element in this, but yeah. Um. Uh. All this, all the scenes of of Vader's ship chasing other ships in this were just, just all the stuff evocative of of the past movies and this is so well well done and beautiful to watch when when um you know when they're they're when they're flying away and and they're just sort of dodging and weaving and firing they're playing the the music from empire where they're chasing han solo into the um um asteroid field but it and it, it's sort of evocative of that in the opening of episode four but it's just just seeing a star destroyer chasing a ship that's dodging and weaving in front of it is just a great, great Star Wars comfort food image. Um, the scene where, uh, you know, when uh, Haja sort of tells Obi Wan, like, "Look, my, you know, the word of a liar and a thief," and and, and Obi Wan says, "Good enough for me." That little emotional beat there was enough to make Haja's character start working more for me. I, so I I thought that was really well done, well written, well written and acted scene. Yeah, like I um, well I've loved Hajar the entire time, but like um, that I love that scene as well because it just he he's been slowly taking like steps like up into that, and he started this journey as someone who was helping from a distance, and like now he is actively taking care of Leia. Like he's going to like calm her down so Ben can actually talk to her, and he's putting others before himself. And I love that he started as like a charlatan Jedi, and he's now like really the full spirit of one. By the end, I don't know. I love Hajj. I love enough uh, enough of the spirit of one that a, that a legendary Jedi is like. Look, I know who you are, but you know, I, you know. I'm putting, you know, I'm I'm saying this knowing who you are. And uh, I was waiting, though, when they're, everybody's trying to talk Obi-Wan out of it. And they're just like, Obi-Wan, you can't do this. And it's just like, I'm waiting for Obi-Wan to just grab them and go like, look, have none of you guys watched Clone Wars? I did this every episode in Clone Wars. Don't worry. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll lure them up. Okay, Obi-Wan, see you at lunch tomorrow. You know, that's, that's, 
That's that is, yeah. You know, Commander Cody will be like, "I'll look out for your lightsaber <laughs> if you drop it, sir." Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just it, everybody's all like gloom and doom about it. No, and it's just like, hey, look, this is Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, he's he's not going on a suicide. Maybe if it was Episode One or Two of this series, he would have been going on a suicide mission, but he ain't planning no suicide mission, you know? So yeah, but it, it was still, it was, it was, it was nice. But like, like you said, I think this is the weakest, um, of the three acts, which it should, if there's going to be a weakest act, I guess it would, it should be this one, you know, and, and you're not going to beat the second act of the show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, for me, like, the part of the set that's the week is the path side of stuff. I love everything with Owen and Baru. Like, that, that is the strong part of this act for me. Versus, because well, the path just is like, we're being chased and we're scared. Cool. Obi-Wan, I'm going to leave. Oh, you can't. Oh, I'm going anyway. Bye. And, like, that's essentially what it was. It was, like, a few minutes of that. But, like, the Owen Baru stuff, I fucking love. Especially when Baru was just like, here's your gun, bitch. Let's go. Yeah, and that's, that, that's part of my tension of the Like, the stuff with Owen and Baru is strong. Their characters are well-written. And the actors finally get to act in their role. Even when they're mm-hmm. doing the action stuff, they're, they're getting into it. I just wish, I just think it was just not given enough time. Boy, it would have had, you know... If you would have had time to develop more Baru, you know, Riva and Baru and, and Lars and uh, maybe kept Luke in a sort of little, you know, the sort of the spot he was character wise, you know, almost more of an object in this one because we're focusing on Leia and we've had plenty of focus on Luke and and Luke is sort of in flux anyway, because he's not supposed he's supposed to be a dummy until Star Wars anyway, as far as like <laughs> bigger picture. He's the original himbo. Yeah. So <clears throat> so I wish it would have had more time because all this stuff is 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 strong, you know, but it's 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 just sort of it's it's here in the last two acts, you know, or oh, yeah. the last episode, you know. And oh. it's and it's all it's all sort of it's it, it, the the stuff that's needed to get it to the end is provided and it and it gets to to a satisfying beat on it but that's coming after a really satisfying beat and they could have had two you know they could have had two of them happening simultaneously if they'd had more time you know if they'd if they'd but you know that's that's my big complaint with with the series is that subplot is was you know Reba and and the stuff with Luke was that whole thing was not given the I mean how could could you give it the time in this many episodes when you've got Obi-Wan and Vader oh, yeah. know, doing that their is, thing that's so. my overarching gripe of this as well is because um this series for me I love it's the exact same thing I felt with Book of Boba Fett I love all the ingredients. It just doesn't have, it needs like one more episode to stew, like yeah. a transitional episode. Yeah. Like, even if it was just like a short episode, like something, it just, it, it needed that last, like, either this episode and the last episode being like a little bit longer to help it gel or, or have another like shorter this, episode. This one them. needed, whether spread out or whatever, it needed another episode worth of Riva and the, and the um 
and I'll get more into this in Act Act Three, but yeah, I, that's all I've got for for Act One. Yeah, like that. That's my. It's the same complaint I had with Book of Boba Fett. Like it's it's all great. You just need you know another like twenty two minutes or something with it. So, so I had a thought while watching the opening scene, where it's it's the scene where I think it's Obi Wan's boss from Episode One. Yeah. And like he's bullying the water he, guy. He uses the same the the same you got a problem with that line that he uses on Obi-Wan with or you got something to say about that uh, as he uses on the one guy in this one. So yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah. And I had a thought about that scene cuz Breetha comes over and like smacks the water out of his hands and like bullies him right back. And it dawned on me, like, after this series, what kind of character I would love Riva to be. And I would love for her to be, like, a Saj of interest after she left Count Dooku. Just being, like, a very solid gray character. Like, she she doesn't fully do bad things. She doesn't fully do good things. She's never fully, fully a Jedi again. But she uses her abilities to do the occasional really good thing. And I think that would be a very solid direction for her to make her just a really good fleshed out gray character. I I think she would have a great place in if they ever do something about the path. Because I would that's my other thing. She I would, would be too. a great character for it because she would be incredibly qualified. She knows some force stuff. She was a Padawan. She was a little kid. It psychologically it fits in with her, but she's also a great character, and there's a, there'd also be a lot of mistrust with her, and and mm-hmm. such with that. But she could probably get like, you know, you could probably get them to say, well, Obi Wan center, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and if Obi Wan center, he knows what he's doing, you know, or something. But like you could you could draw a lot of tension from her within the people in the path and, you know, have an art and, and it would give her a chance to, you know, she's done some she's done some just murdering I mean, murder and mayhem in between. So also, you know, put her in a room with Haja. The last time they were together, well, that's she, what I'm saying. She like threatened him heavily and injured him. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. And like, that's yeah. what I would see the scene. I would see the scene as Haja. Um, vouching for even though she, that happened like Haja would end because if she got the vouch of Obi-Wan it's like he's like well Jesus Christ Obi-Wan saw s- something in me you know and even oh, though I, I love that right yeah oh. so that's what I'm saying it's like it's like it's like maybe they're thinking you know that maybe they're thinking of it because there's a lot of stuff that would be you know there's a lot of potential for tension and what a you know cool character she would be in that situation and a useful character to have someone with force powers to, to on board to help you know i mean honestly my last note of this act was everything with the path very much feels like a backdoor pilot yeah well i i think they're always going to be looking for stuff like that or and you know or not even looking for it but like potentially setting it up because they know they got to and that's you know that's that's like sort of like Filoni sort of set up a whole uh, whole way of doing that you know so yeah oh yeah you can almost you can almost see the characters 
that are being, you know, primed for further use because they're, you know, they're given a little, they're given a little extra lighting <laughs> and stuff, you know, a little extra time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing like the, at Like the... in the path, there's, there's certain people in the path that you know it would show up in the path TV series if it, if it showed up. And, it would be Rokin, Rokin, Haja, and Riva, like that would be the team. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I would watch all, it. Yeah, they're they're all like they they've all they all and they all had, you know, more fleshed out characters and and just the 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 mannerisms and the brush strokes of their characters were characters that you would be introducing for a further story, you know. They they're all given they're all given like pasts and places to go, you know, by implication. So, yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. Um, I'll we'll have so, to see what their algorithms say. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go buy up all the merchandise, guys. It's fine. Buy those Lola droids. Show them do that. Do they we... even make them? Do they even make them? They I don't do. Know. They do. They do make Lola toys. It's like the. Well, I was about to say it's like the only toy, but honestly, I haven't actually looked to see if there are other toys on this show. So I assume. Anyway. Um,. My next note is it's a very quick little moment where like Lola is showing the child another child Lola because everyone's scared and then she like comes over to, to talk to Obi-Wan like oh like they're all scared and Lola helps them feel better. What I like about that is it's a little glimpse of who Leia is in Return of the Jedi. It, it very much reminded me of the scene with her and Wicket. Yeah, where, she's precocious and she makes friends, you know? Yeah, and she is approaching this very scary situation with peace. Because, like, Wicked doesn't know who the hell she is. He just sees, like, a big giant being coming over. And she's like, and, oh, little friend. And these are, like, uh, I, I imagine a good amount of these kids are Force-sensitive kids. And she's, she's yeah. you know, she's Skywalker-level Force kid. So she probably feel like, immediately is, like, vibing with him. And probably other kids. She hasn't really, she doesn't seem to have a lot of chances to hang around other kids that aren't bratty, you know, politicians' kids. I'm I'm giggling over here because when you're like, she's a Skywalker kid, I just had like the thought of like, they're all public school. And she's like, I go to private school. <laughs> Which is also true because she's a princess. But I'm talking for school. She's like, I, you, you guys are here on scholarships. I have full paid tuition because my parents know the dean yeah so. but that's the thing is she's not that though she i know i, I know i could just be kidding. that but yeah, yeah yeah i'm just kidding i'm kidding it was the way you were like she's a skywalker king she gets to go to private school well you know the i mean the skywalkers they have a reputation for being powerful i know but I it's know. not you know yeah she, it's not like it's not like she's from a like illustrious family she's from it's more like being she's got pirate blood in her actually let's uh let's let's, let's let's clarify this one skywalker was powerful and it was anakin luke yes. is only powerful because he's like the only one and leia doesn't really do much with her force powers and she's a, a princess and a rebel leader so yeah. like they're powerful in different she ways never does much on screen anyway yeah like leia is powerful in like a political sense like she's more of like a padme kid but, like, Luke is only powerful because he's, like, the only one. So let's clarify this. <laughs> Luke is just standing there like, I'm powerful out of natural selection or something. What's the, uh, 
No, it's not lateral selection. What is a uh, process of elimination? There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if all the other Jedi are gone, I'm the most powerful. Hooray. So. Oh, uh, where am I? I'm I'm crazy tonight. You know, we didn't podcast last week and like we missed a week of podcasting. I don't fucking know what to do. You're all bottled up. I know. Like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. So I've been podcasting like a fiend the last the last the last week. I'm putting out two podcasts tonight. I put out one last night and I'm putting one out Thursday night. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, yeah, so you're much more on top of it than I am. I'm all over the fucking place. Anyway, what does my next note say? I really love Obi-Wan's speech about wanting to protect the path. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, like, he has that little goodbye speech to, like, everybody in the path, and he's like, you guys have been protecting the Jedi for ten years. Like, let me protect you. And I really thought that was a very interesting line because outside of the last ten years, it's always been the Jedi job to protect people. And he recognizes, like, in this, like, post-Order 66 era, like, they're the ones keeping the Jedi alive in their history and their ideas. And they have been risking risking their lives for a decade or so. And I really like the moment where he's mentioning how the children of the path and Leia are the future of them. And I think that is probably a, a the big part theme of this episode in particular is letting the past go and focusing on the future. Because... That's a, that is essentially what he's been trying to do. He's been trying to let the past go this entire time. And he's been so stuck in the past and what he's lost. He didn't just lose Anakin, but he also lost Ahsoka and the entire order and his entire way of life. But like he cannot be in the path anymore because the, the past anymore because that is not helping. They can only move forward. Yeah. And that includes Luke and Leia. And essentially this episode is Obi-Wan finally letting go and healing and getting closure and then going on. And so I really like how he phrased that with the path of like, look, I am the past. You guys are the future. I have to go. Yeah. You have to leave and get out yeah, of here. I mean, that, that arc is, is the, uh, and, and Vader, like Obi-Wan has the light arc of it. Vader has the dark arc of it where he gets to, you know, he and, you know, Obi-Wan gets it. We'll talk about that more later. But, um, and, and Reba gets sort of a gray path, you know, she's still working on her path, but like, yeah, it's, it's very much people, you know, getting, go, getting past that last 10 years and going for the trauma of the last 10 years and going forward on their new thing where this is where Vader gets to, gets to become vader you know is is you know officially like any kind of anakin is is declared dead you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just imagine like vader with his beaten up suit and obi-wan just like sitting like in a lawyer's office that's filling out like anakin skywalker's death certificate and like Obi-Wan signs off on it and hands it to yeah that's obi-wan was the one who had to sign off on it yeah and and yeah and Vader had to sign off on 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 Obi Wan not being the killer of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, and and yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, oh, that's a great. That's that's it. Obi Wan declared him dead, and and uh, and Anakin cleared him of a murder rap. Yeah, 
I, I'll get to it more in, like, Act 3, but I like how yes. Obi-Wan, like, kind of washes his hands of the situation, and it takes Papa Palpatine to be like, Anakin, you're a little obsessed, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that, so. Um, I love Owen and Baru. I know, like, I agree, I wish they did have more time, which is, like I said, my, my gripe of the series overall. But, like, people always, like, forever has been given Owen a bad rap but about like him being too gruff in a new hope and blah blah blah. He's a bad dad and blah blah. But oh my god, I have always disagreed with that. And he is a goddamn good father. And he is trying to best protect is, his son. He is the a stereotyped way. farmer dad, you know, simple farm dad, you know, saying, you know, you don't want any part of that, you know, greater greater world, you know. But he has more he has but like, well, in any story, well, he always well, has a reason. You know, there's always a reason. Yeah, and like, like he is protecting Luke the best way he knows how. His job is to have this child protect him and raise him as a normal kid and let him be normal. And like the beginning of this, like Obi Wan just like, let me Jedi train him. Let me Jedi train him. Can I Jedi train him? And Owen's like, that's what fucking got his father killed. Like, why are you doing this? And also, friendly reminder: in A New Hope. What was the big bad thing Owen was keeping Luke from? Checking my notes, going to the Imperial Academy. Right, right. (laughs) Like, that is what his big great sin was in A New Hope, that people lose their fucking shit over because Luke can't go call, go to his call to action or whatever. The the, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, is Luke is, Luke is, 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 there's a strong implication that Luke is going to the Imperial Academy as a stepping point into the rebellion too, because his friend Big, that's what his friend Biggs did that got, he got, got edited out of the original star Wars, but they added him back in for the special edition. But his friend, his friend Biggs comes back and is like, yeah, I, I joined the, you, you know, you join the, you, you join the Academy, you learn all your shit and then you go work for the rebels basically, you know? Not directly saying that, but there was a big implication. And then he turns up at the rebel base when Luke gets there with the Death Star plans. So, so like, but that would probably have, he probably would not have been telling Owen that, you know, but because he's a teenager. Well, yeah, he probably would have thought Owen would have disapproved of the rebellion, you know, and and Owen probably like talked shit about both of them just to cover all his bases. <laughs> Yeah, You'd probably just be like, "Hey, look, that's stuff for the that's stuff for politics. We're we got to get some water." And I love what this series has done for Owen. I mean, he stares down an Inquisitor ready to die to protect Luke in Episode One, and he the very first thing he does is go home and tell Baru, and like, like he wants to just go, and like this is where I'm going to come to Baru. Baru freaking is the MVP of this episode. She fucking shines in this episode. And and I love that, like, reveal of she doesn't want to get anybody else involved. Because also, if they get other people involved, like, what if someone else died? And then they have to explain to everybody why an Inquisitor showed up at their house. Right, and then more right. people know about Luke. Right, right, and, right. And so, like, she, like, she has that one line of we're enough you and me and i love that line that is actually my favorite line of the entire show of her looking at owen and saying we're enough yeah that's a married that's a married couple line 
it gives me chills. Like that is her defining moment as a character in all of canon of we are enough. And but that and like I, the reason I also love the line of they have always been enough for Luke and they have always been his parents. They were always the ones that raised him, cooked for him, cleaned for him, like put him in bed at night, took care of his injuries like they are enough. And that is what Luke has always needed was them. And I love that line. And uh, I love them in this episode. It's my favorite part. Like, actually, like, all the, like, Baruno and stuff is my favorite part of the episode. I love it so much. So, <laughs> and I agree. I wish we had so much more of them. Uh, I just like the line of, I wasn't going to give you a blaster, Leia. You're 10 years old. Yeah. That's just such a good line. <laughs> it, it always makes me. And she's always... just like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> But I do like how he follows up, like, you're not going to be 10 years old forever, as in he knows she's going to be a fighter. Yeah. And and so, like, that's the implication. Which brings us to Tala's holster. Ah! <laughs> Especially knowing, like, the, the significance of the holster last episode, or the ep- last episode? Yeah, last episode, um, where Tala was explaining, like, each notch was a child saved. And, like, it makes me think of, like, if when Leia's older and she looks at those notches, if, like, every person she gets to save from the Empire, like, does she add to the notches? And I just, I love that. And I love that Leia is, is that's the holster that she has later in life. Like, it's supposed to be the holster that she wears in, like, A New Hope and other projects. Like, that is her holster. And you know that she, like, remembers the brave woman who gave her life to oh, save her. Well, Tala even has a lot of resemblances to Leia, like, mm-hmm. visually and character-wise. That, And as we see later on in this, when Obi-Wan comes back and she wasn't sure that he was even probably alive, and she's like, Nola, or Lola, you know, <laughs> with a robot, and then has a heart-to-heart with Obi-Wan. You know, she's a little, she's she's a bright little kid, but as we've also learned in this, she's also a little kid, so her brain's a little flighty. She like, you know, she might have imprinted on on her more than you know on Tala than on Obi Wan in some ways because you know, as a little kid, Tala is represents her, uh, you know, so, something she could become, you know. Or, you know, or, or from what she already is, that she would visualize herself becoming. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. She probably made, made a really strong impression. And then having the holster after that is a constant reminder where she doesn't, she's not really, she did purposely probably wasn't given any reminders of, you know, here's a gift from Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to, to remind her, you know, that element is best to keep maybe. I mean, honestly, if somebody ever it's asked, a dim memory. <laughs> if any kid or a buddy asked her, like, like if any like buddy on Alderaan or a kid was just like, "Where'd you get that holster?" She could probably just be like, "From someone who protected me." Yeah, you know, yeah. and she's a princess, so like, there's guards everywhere. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Any of them would protect her, but like, a good button off, a button up to button that. A good way to put a button on the end of this conversation because you essentially said my last note. Tala is always going to be an inspiration for Leia. From here on out. And you're right. Yeah. So I think that's all I have for Act One. <clears throat> all right. So we ready for the big one? I think this is <laughs> this Ooh. is the, this is the monster of the three acts. It actually looked like 
by much faster than I remembered it. Um, like, I, I actually, like, it remembered it being a much longer fight. So I was just like, oh, it's over. <laughs> All right, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, but yes, you ready? Yes. Act two, and again, I'm separating into sections. So starting with Tatooine, night has fallen. And they know that Reva is coming. So Beru, uh, Beru and uh, Owen get Luke in a room, and they're like, Luke, the Tuscans are coming. Don't worry. Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett hasn't happened yet. That's like, like 30, 40 years in the future. I don't know how timelines work. Neither just John Favreau. Nobody knows how timelines fucking work in Star Wars. But those two haven't happened yet, so we can say that the Tuscans are coming, because it's fine. And you know what to do. If we die, you run. And Luke is like, okay, I love you. And they're both like, I love you too, Luke. We love you so much. <laughs> okay, bye. And they lock him in the room. And then they, pre- they prepare for Reva, who crosses their perimeter. And their alarms go off. And they're ready. And Reva is injured. Because remember, she got stabbed last week. Um, Reva's injured. And she comes in. And she sneaks into the Lars house. She's looking around, and of course she turns on her lightsaber, which I'm actually quite thankful for, because again, I wasn't going to say it, but this is another episode that's just so fucking dark I couldn't even see anything. I took a screenshot, and I put her on our Twitter page, and I thank Baruse in the the, uh, picture on our Twitter, because it's just pitch black with subtitles. (laughs) That's all I saw. It's fine. Anyway, Reva turns on the lightsaber, and I can actually see what's happening. And because of that, it's time for Baru and Owen to go to fucking town, and they just start shooting at her, and she's just like, ah, ah, and then they throw potted plants at her, and they're like, take our carrots, and they throw them at them, and, and Reva's all just like, ah, I'm gonna fight you, and she starts following them, and Baru heads on ahead, and Owen is there to, like, block her way with a big metal pipe, and he, and she's just like, oh, are you really going to, like, save this child that doesn't belong to you? And Owen looks her in the eye and goes, Yes, because that's my fucking son. And he is my own, and you're going to have to kill me for him. And she's like, okay. But remember, she's stabbed and injured. So, you know, Owen does a good job sort of holding his own. You know, he gets her a couple times in the stomach where she sh- she's been stabbed. But he ev- she eventually throws him down, and... and Reva comes over and opens the room, the door to Luke's room, and Beru, Beru comes down like a goddamn battle angel and just slaps the shit out of Reva. It's actually a beautiful favorite moment of mine because I was not expecting her just to jump and just bitch slap her across the face, just like I, how I just hit my microphone. Sorry, microphone. I'm sorry. Um, and Luke is running out of the room, and he crawls out the window, and he goes running into the desert, and Reva follows. And, uh, Luke gets to this gorge-like thing and goes to hide in the cliffs. Anyway, back on the other side of the galaxy, I guess. Um, Obi-Wan leaves the path ship, and he goes for a nearby planet. And Vader's like, that's him, it's Obi-Wan, go after him, go, go! And my grande boyfriend is there. And he tries something that always fails on Anakin Skywalker. Grande gives logic. And he's just like, sir, why are we going to divert all of our forces for one Jedi when we can eradicate an entire network of rebels 
I think it would be a much better plan. And Vader's like, shut up! Go! Obi-Wan! 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 And Grande, it's it's my other favorite shot. It's my favorite shot of the entire episode. If you look at Grande in the background, he just purses his lips and looks like he's living in hell. I love it. Grande, come home. You can stay with me. I love you. And just like that, Vader leaves the path and follows Obi-Wan, just lets the path go, instead of, you know, sending TIE fighters or Grande on his ship or any of that stuff, or, you know, Vader just getting in his ship to follow Obi-Wan. He's not good at his job. We never said that Anakin Skywalker was good at his job. (laughs) Anyway, Obi-Wan lands first, and he starts preparing himself for battle because he knows that Vader is coming. And Lola pops out of his pocket, and he's just like, Oh, Lola... No one's going to buy your merchandise. Stay here. And he heads out anyways for Vader, who is ready to throw down. And Vader kind of sashes out of there. He's just like, hello, Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's like, sup, bro? Remember me? And he's, and Vader's like, uh, yeah, of course. Like, this entire show's about us. I'm Black Metal Daddy. I'm going to fucking fight you. And Obi-Wan does his classic lightsaber stance, and everyone freaks out because he's doing the thing. And then they fight, and it's really awesome. And there's a lot of like clash clashes and pew pews and stuff like that. And then they do some earth bending because uh, of apparently Vader's tough Beifong, and he literally tries to bury Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan get falls down a gorge and gets partially buried. And he's just like, oh dear me, I'm at rock bottom. Ha 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 ha! And everyone pauses so the audience can laugh. And then he hears whispers of episode three of the past, and he's like, no, I can't listen to episode three. I have to think of the future. Because he thinks of Luke and Leia, and that gives him strength. And he bursts out of the ground and he runs after Anakin. He's just like, Anakin, come back here for round two, you black metal daddy man. And Vader's like, you can't call me black metal daddy. That's weird. I'm like your brother, Obi-Wan. I'm your brother. And then they fight some more, but it's okay because now Obi-Wan is the earthbender and he does what, you know, Jedi do best. He lifts rocks, and then he starts beating the shit out of Anakin Skywalker with rocks. (laughs) Because why the fuck not? (laughs) And so, he beats up Anakin with a bunch of rocks, and then he runs over with his lightsaber hilt. And he starts breaking open uh, Vader's chest plate. And finally, with a big swoosh of his lightsaber, he hacks off half of Vader's mask. And Vader, gasping and wheezing, he looks up at it at Obi-Wan, and there's Anakin's face underneath. And then Ewan McGregor starts acting the fuck out of the scene, because he's just like, Anakin, I'm here for closure. I'm so sorry. And Hayden is acting the fuck out of his scene, because he's all unhinged, and he's just like, It's alright, Anakin. It's okay, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. I did it. Don't take this from me, Obi-Wan. You've taken everything from me. Obi-Wan's like, okay, yeesh. Okay, I got my closer. I said I'm sorry. I'm sorry that everything happened. And you're just gonna be Darth from now on. Is that cool? And Anakin's like, yeah, that was fine. You just want to be, like, dead to each other? And Obi-Wan's like, 
yeah, yeah, I'll see you in A New Hope. Okay, bye. And, and Vader's like, wait, wait, you can't leave me. You can't leave me, Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan flips him up and says, bye, Darth. Rebels did it better. And leaves Anakin behind. And Obi-Wan, <laughs> this is my favorite part of the act. So Obi-Wan has no problem leaving the planet. Because apparently Grande Boyfriend took the Star Destroyer <laughs> to go after the path, didn't wait for Vader, and just fucked right off. Because there should be a whole ass Star Destroyer up there. <laughs> the Grande was like, fuck that. I'm not losing my job. And I'm just gonna take the Star Destroyer and try to catch those rebels. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so Obi-Wan has no problems leaving the planet. And it's time for him to head back to Tatooine to find Luke, who he senses is in danger. But bomb. <laughs> that really is my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> Well, now that I'm thinking about it, he can't chase after Obi-Wan because then he would be le like leaving Vader behind or, you know, or whatever. So, you know, I mean, maybe they were dealing more with Vader coming up going, prepare my back to tank, <laughs> you know. Uh, so who knows? But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just sort there of. There should like, be a whole last star destroyer up there. <laughs> Blossed over, yes. I like to think that. And also, Obi Wan also has fucking has uh, hyperdrive. They could have they could have all piled into that ship and hyperdrived away. <gasps> I didn't think about that. Actually, yeah. The Ship obviously has hyperdrive. We see it come out of hyperdrive and at tattooing. That's it's actually, obviously got to hit hyperdrive to get to tattooing and maybe, then, maybe that's why the opening is so awkward. Like you know, like maybe there's a line cut where Roken was like, "We have a dropship, but the hyperdrive's not working," and Obi Wan just going fix that hyperdrive first and then do the other one. Like there, that's that's a very good point. I didn't think about that. So there's probably like a weird line that got dropped somewhere there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Obi Wan's just kind of lingering in the in the Act One, like waiting to instead of just being like, "I'm gonna get in the dropship and go," like he's just kind of lingering there for a long time. So maybe they have to wait for the hyperdrive to be fixed on the on his ship. I don't know. It's weird, but seriously, I'm gonna just go ahead and, and close this book now. Grande boyfriend, I loved you in this series. You were wonderful, Rupert friend. Please come back and play Grande boyfriend again. Well, I love your take on him. Let me say my lament. Let me say my, my goodbye. Um, I miss you again, Oliver. I love you, Grande boyfriend. Um, I'm so happy that your last act was taking a Star Destroyer and fucking out of there and leaving leaving Vader behind. That is a whole ass mood. Continue chewing all the scenes in the future. I love you. Goodbye until next time, Grande boyfriend. He, he knows how to hang out with Anakin. He knows how to hang out with Darth Vader, which is Anakin style, which he's kind of when... <laughs> When they're on that scene, he's just like, yo, you know, we got all the jet. We could wipe out all the Jedis now. He just does it like Rex used to deal with Anakin, like saying like, hey, man, we could do this. That seems to be the best thing to do. Right. You know, and uh, and nope, nope, you're right. You know, just sort of like, OK, well, we're going with you, you know, <laughs> not deferential, but just sort of like a buddy that knows his place, you know, like Tarkin, like he could get along with Tarkin who could. Who could say something, you know, may, may I suggest we do something different? And Anakin goes, yeah, you can. But, you know, whereas, 
like Reva he was Reva was like listen. super intense or like Lord Vader, blah blah blah, and he and he was just like blah 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 blah. Whereas he's just like hanging out with the Grande, so yeah, he 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 know he's psychologically knows how to work Anakin more, which gives him a little makes him a little smarter than the other Inquis- a little smarter. I uh, I wrote uh, my I, I talked about my favorite like if you put like after like Vader's like no we're going after Obi Wan like look in the background like it's blurry. And it's out of focus, but you can see like Grande purses his lips so hard that he makes a duck face. And it makes me laugh every time. And then I also wrote, Vader bro, why don't you sing Grande after the path and take you take on Kenobi, do your fucking job. Yeah. And my last note I wrote was, poor yeah. Grande, stuck with the evil Michael Scott inept manager of the Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are officially my last Grande boyfriend note- notes. So, um, Take it away, Chris. What are your notes? Okay, so my notes are like, this is why I think we needed more with Reva because it like doesn't make sense for her to want to still kill Luke uh, with except for just sort of like leftover, you know, dark side irrational motivations or whatever. But it could have been made more clear with more more time. But like, okay, most of my notes are on the fight. <laughs> of course, it's a, actually. A, can I can I say something along those lines? Um, my take on it is she knows she can't kill Vader because she failed at that, but she also blames Obi-Wan just as much for it because she said to him last episode, where were you? Like, where were you when he was doing all this to me? So I don't think that she's going after Luke because he's a Skywalker child. I think she's going after Luke because that child is important to Obi-Wan and she just wants revenge on someone. Yeah, it's that, so that she, sort of irrational dark side yeah, <laughs> logic. I do agree it could have been a little bit clearer. If, but if, um, if you flesh it out clearer, it would have been more meaningful. You can make it you yeah. can make it work, but it could have been more clear. But the fight I, I like I was getting ready. Ooh, this kinda, fight is great. I was getting ready not to like it because I loved it the first time, but I've sort of watched other scenes from it. And the shaky cam really is there. They move the camera too much. And I think it was because I think they were a little insecure with their location, looking a little too much like the volume for me. It worked. I like the spareness of it. I liked it looking like it, like the almost theatrical formal shadow play like traditional like japanese theater you know asian theater sort of thing aspect of it and a simple just on this gothic even the 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 look of the volume was sometimes very apparent there but i liked it in this in this instance because this this is something for me the, and and I'll I'll say this one edges out the fight with Ahsoka for me because this one's been brewing for 40 years for me. And it sort of takes place in this sort of dream aspect, this dream area of this weird, you know, weird tinged planet. Very, you know, it's it's sort of like the background and the battle are, are 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 done more in a psychological like almost like this could be take it taking place in like another realm or something you know it's given a very dreamy quality because and that works because i think for most people this anything that happened like this 
happened in a sort of, you know, dreamy, imaginative aspect of people's minds for the last 40 years. So I thought it worked really well. I, I thought it worked really well. And like, I, I liked it just as much. Um, the second second part, they were doing the overlapping stories with it. I didn't like that as much the first time, but I like it the second time. I wish they would have just played Duel of the Fates instead of like a sort of like <laughs> weak variation of it with, you know, you have choruses, oh, but come on, just give us a little bit of Duel of the Fate. It's very appropriate for this part. And they... One of my notes says, I remember some people griping that the Vader Obi Wan sh fight should have Duel of the Fates. And my note was, y'all, we don't need Duel of the Fates in all Star Wars. <laughs> Dude, they barely have it in any Star Wars. That Duel of the Fates was of like the most musically iconic thing to come out of the 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 prequel trilogy. I know, but and rightly so. Like and then they've time. shied away from it ever since. There's been many places, and and there's pre vast precedent for John Williams themes that he writes to be used in in the rhyming appropriate places and it's like that i don't know if they have to pay him extra for duel of the fates or something but it's just like there were there were places in the sequel there was a couple places in sequel trilogy knock some duel of the fates in there it makes sense right here it would make sense right now oh no we're not doing it i don't know why i don't know why I but just play it just play it and i know they've they have put they have done fan edits with duel of the fates in it now that you mention it no, that's and my thing like it's just okay. just do it just do it don't don't yeah. evoke it evoke it a little bit do it and then maybe do very you know different variations of it and stuff but geez come on all right here's my um, thing because since we're on this point because that was literally my notes was y'all we don't need duel of the fates in all of star wars i this was more of a note about how like the fandom like every time there's a lightsaber battle like the sequel trilogy or, or like I saw this going around with like Maul versus Ahsoka and people were like, why aren't they using Duel of the Fates? And I'm, I, so this is more of like a note on like, we don't have to use Duel of the Fates in all fucking Star Wars. No, but it's now it's like battle. appropriate. Now, now we're dealing with like will, prequel do, stuff, Padawans I do, and... I do agree with you. This would be the appropriate time for it. This but would, like with all the other stuff that people fucking gripe about and they're just like, we must have Duel of the Fates when it's Rey versus Kylo. And I'm like, no, we don't have to use Duel of the Fates as, all the time. Not as much. This is the right no. moment for Duel of the Fates. I do agree with that. But I just had to laugh because you nailed one of my notes right on the head. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to thank the writers right now for not having Vader say something like, who has the high ground now, Obi-Wan, when Obi-Wan's down in the pit? Although it's funny that he goes, that's why you always that. lose. And it's like, what do you mean that's why you always lose? He's he, he he's only lost once. He whipped your ass before, <laughs> you know. So and 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 you know, in that flashback we had obviously intro introduced the concept that Obi-Wan doesn't always lose against Anakin. So um they held hands. Did you see that one say they grabbed each other's hands and 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 I'm like, well, look, Vader and Obi-Wan are holding hands and Obi-Wan and Leia held hands. If this was like on AO3, they would have grabbed hands and then like looked at each other and like would have fallen in love and it's fine. I just like, I just reached over to my kitty cat and she put her paw in my hand now. Hmm. Everybody's holding hands. 
and I love the I am the what remains hybrid Anakin. I love the hybrid Anakin Vader voice was amazing. It was even more so than in, you know, with Hayden Christensen's voice. It was just uh, it just sounded great. Mm-hmm. And Obi Wan calling him Darth is, I mean, it's really good with squaring up the continuity with the stuff that was that was like my problem with the whole before this even happened when it was announced of like how are you going to square this up with their dialogue on the death star and him calling him darth he calls him darth on the death star but now that with this happening and it 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 squares it, it squares it up a little bit because now there's that whole thing with like now the I we meet again Obi Wan and now the teacher becomes a master and and him going you know him saying you know you know my former pupil is dead gets a little bit of a mocking tone to it like hey remember you told me he was dead <laughs> remember it's sort of like a little reminder of this scene. And it also is a little poke at Darth Vader to go like, yeah, maybe Anakin isn't dead, which, you know, leads into Jedi. So they did a good job of of squaring up the thing that I was the most worried about. So I give uh, I give a lot of props to this and it was better the second time I was able to, like, watch it a little more and be like, yeah, it was it was very well written, directed and acted. That's all my notes for act two. Have at it, Hope. I see. <laughs> I see what you got here for Act Two. So uh, go for it. I've actually got a lot of my like little notes out of the way, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually surprised. You, you've actually hit like some of my notes too. So I'm not going to like linger on them. Um, I again, I'm very emotional over Owen and and Baru because like. Owen has for the longest time had a bad rap but like when he's saying goodbye to Luke like he so clearly loves him like he clutches his head and like tells him like it's gonna be okay and then like Baru hugs him I'm I'm super emotional but he has that line to Riva of he is my own ah (laughs) like that is that was like I that's a line that's like shut up for 45 years of fandom. I'm a good fa- fucking father who's about to throw down with a goddamn woman with a lightsaber because she's coming after my child and I'm probably going to die, but my god, I'm going to fucking fight for this child. <laughs> like uh I love it. I love that scene. Um I I do like the little moment of like Ben finding Lola in his pocket. Because the, the note I had from Act 1 where she's, like, helping kids and, like, like showing them Lola and it's, like, very much, like, Return of the Jedi Leia. It's it's kind of re- resonating back here, too, because he says something along the lines to her of just, like, because Leia's like, oh, the droid helps people feel better. And he clips something along the lines of, like, oh, I wish that would work for me. And she put it in his pocket so it can give well, him hope and inspiration. it's also a reminder that he's got to come back, that he promised her that he'd come yeah. back. Yeah, and it's hope and inspiration for him, so. All right. Starting my slow march into Reva's redemption. I really like the parallels between Reva and Vader in this scene because they are intercut together. They're both coming to get revenge, and they're arriving at the same time 
And so they both come into their fights, but they leave with completely different conclusions. And Riva says that she's fighting for justice. What she finds is justice for her fallen friends. And of course it's misguided, but that's also what Vader is fighting for too. He is fighting against Obi-Wan for what he sees as justice on the thing that he has become, essentially. And they both have this very skewed idea of justice, and they're trying to accomplish feeling wronged by Obi-Wan and the Jedi. But what's interesting is, they, like, as I said, they come out of different conclusions. And I'll, I'll get to Reva's in Act 3. But, like, Vader comes into this fight wanting revenge and justice on Obi-Wan. But he leaves this fight with them both getting that emotional closure of we're dead to each other. And it's interesting that they come in with the same parallels, but they exit going in different trajectories. And I like that. Mind you, Vader still wants to kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. still set to kill him. <laughs> he is still set to kill him. But, like, I, I like the parallel of Riva and Vader coming in with similar stories, but they leave on different trajectories. And I think that's really cool. Um. Uh, I like the beginning of the fight where Obi-Wan's waiting for him versus episode three when he was running for his freaking life. <laughs> I, I thought that was a nice like parallel because from the last time they faced versus now. Um, okay, I do want to talk about the parallels between Twilight of the Apprentice with Ahsoka versus Vader versus Obi-Wan versus Vader because those two fights get compared to a lot. I think they should get compared a lot. Um, and, and when I was joking about like Rebels did it better... I don't think either do, does it better. I think they both accomplish different things. So it's I sort of like mirror, like like there's there's a mirror version of uh, Rogue One, where with Vader just coming out as a as a you know a terrorist, <laughs> and in Rebels where he comes out and just like is just kicking you know Ezra and and Kanan's ass, and. Uh, and it's sort of like it's sort of like the analog version of that in Rogue One, and this and and this is very much like um, the analog of Ahsoka and Vader meeting too, which would make sense. I mean, there's a lot of similar beats to be had there. Yeah. Which, but they they they're very they're also very unique. They are, and just to clarify, when you say that kicking Ezra and Kanan's ass, are you talking about like when he first shows up in Lothal? First or in shows Twilight? up and is just like. So not it's a dark episode. Jedi, and he's throwing giant things at them. And oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he also just, kicks... he just comes out on a, at eleven and is just like. I was mostly asking because he terrifying. also he also kicks their ass in Twilight of the Apprentice. So I just needed to clarify which time yeah, that he yeah, kicked no, Ezra's no. ass. <laughs> he kicked Ezra's ass twice. So no, when his first his his introduction into Rebels is yeah. a moment of horror, you know. But. I, I do think it's very purposeful that they they make these parallels between the Ahsoka and the Ahsoka and Obi Wan versus Vader fight because um, they mean thematically different things for Vader and Anakin. Um, but what I like about like you know the biggest one is as he starts both fights, Vader says, "Then you will die," which. Is, is a line that I do think that they pulled straight out of Rebels to make it this way. Well, uh, they, that that came also from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, know, with Luke, you know. <laughs> so it's a, like, it's a layer. It's a it's a it's a Vader. 
it's a Vader it rhymes line that they're using in Star Wars. I, that's his catchphrase. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I think what like the biggest thematic thing, it comes down to the mask. Um, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka each cut off a part of Vader's mask, but they actually cut off the opposite sides of Vader's mask. Um, like, let's see, this would be right. So uh, Obi-Wan cuts off Vader's left and Ahsoka cuts off Vader's right. And the idea is that if Obi-Wan and Ahsoka went after him together, then they might have been able to save him together. But they're, like after this episode came out, um, somebody was uh, posted a screenshot from the Mortis arc, and it's the it's when Obi Wan, Ahsoka, and Anakin first arrive, and Obi Wan says, "As long as we stick together, nothing bad will happen to us." And it's this idea that if they had been with Obi Wan together, they could have. If they had been with Anakin together, Obi Wan and Ahsoka could have saved him together. And so I like this th- like thematic thing that they each cut off a different part of Vader's mask, but it's never the whole mask. Because the point of that is, neither Obi-Wan or Ahsoka were ever supposed to save Anakin. The only person that can actually fully remove the Vader mask is Luke. So it's them cutting off these pieces, but never fully breaking through. And only Luke can break all the way through and remove the whole mask. They can only take off parts of it. And I just think that's like a, such a cool idea thematically for, for them, for Anakin, for Vader. I just I love that beat. Sort of have to have it <laughs> to make it work. Uh, I do like the part in the fight. But the, one part of this fight always reminds me of The Last Jedi because you have that moment where Luke tells Rey how the Force isn't about lifting rocks, and the movie ends with her lifting rocks. And then you have this fight where Anakin and Obi Wan are just beating the shit out of each other with rocks. <laughs> I gotta say, I love that. I loved it. I love it, but it always makes me laugh and reminds me of the last Jedi <laughs> in like so many ways. And but it's also just like you know, you have these great Jedi masters who beat the shit out of each other with rocks. Because why not? <laughs> I don't know. I find it slightly campy, slightly. You know, it's TV effects. I find it slightly campy, but I also really love it. It makes me smile, and it's I, my favorite. I, I think it looks great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> hold on. I need a sip of water. Mm-hmm. So I do want to talk about the mask cutting scene, though, because I have several notes about that. Something we talked about when we were covering Rebels. Um, we had God, very, very early on in Rebels. Um, we had a conversation about the faceless entity of stormtroopers. And we were talking about how when you go from the droids of Clone Wars into the stormtroopers of Rebels, it still makes it more palpable for a young audience to see these stormtroopers get killed because they're wearing masks. And it's not until a person takes off a mask that they're humanized. So you can still kind of see these with faceless entities. And I've noticed that they're starting to do this in Clone Wars. You know, um, the opening episode of season two, Commander Wilco, who spends the entire episode hunting the Bad Batch, and his last moments, like, before he, like, they take off his mask, we can see his face. He's suddenly humanized because his mask, his helmet comes off, and then we feel something when um, uh, uh, Rampart kills him because he does just a very simple act of removing the helmet, humanizes a character. 
And so this entire fight scene, Obi-Wan is just beating the shit out of Anakin until he cuts the mask. And when he can see Anakin underneath it, when he sees Anakin's eyes, that is when Obi-Wan pauses. Because up to this point, Vader can just be this mask-wearing monster. But when he removes that part, it immediately like humanizes Anakin again. And he sees his friend, he can see his eyes. And I just love that like instant moment of Obi-Wan realizing it and seeing it because it really is that kind of thing that we've been talking about. Well, there might be something important about that because also Vader tells Luke, take off my mask. I want to see you with my eyes. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, now, on a different side of this, I love Hayden in this scene. Um I, you guys know me, like, my Anakin Skywalker is Matt Lanter. Like, that is my Anakin Skywalker. And, like, I always thought Hayden was fine as Anakin and fine as Vader. But this scene was the first time I ever bought Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. This is the monster. He is so unhinged in this scene. Like, he looks maniacal. He acts the Hayden, fuck. Hay- Hayden did that. Hayden acted that aspect. Hayden, in the movies, had to act that aspect. That that angry, that hateful Anakin. So, yeah, he's he's or he's got experience going like, I'm the monster, you know, Obi-Wan. <laughs> but, like, but this is... But this- Here's the difference to me between the two. Like, yes, I I agree with everything you're saying. But, like, that feels like, you know, like, baby's first serial killer, like, getting his first kill. This feels like a serial killer who's been doing it for 10 years. Like, he is chilling. He is unhinged. He's Hannibal Lecter, like, yeah. Yeah, and there's, like, he has this one look, like, when Anakin says, like, I killed Obi-Wan. He smiles. Like he freaking smiles. Like he's like, I killed Anakin. And he he has just this like crazy look in his eye. And that was the first time like I ever felt chills of Hayden as Vader. And I got it. Like yeah. I got it then. And it's so yeah, good. We're talking to the monster and not to to Anakin. We're not talking to Anakin. We're talking mm-hmm. to the one who killed Anakin. Yeah. And uh chef's kiss because like i never thought i would feel that way towards hating christensen but i saw it and he yeah claimed it it was so good i'm saying all these guys get a chance to act in this they get mm-hmm. they get they get material that's conducive for acting in this whether it's from deborah chow or from the writers so yeah and my last note i have uh you've kind of already touched on it so i'm just gonna breeze it um, Anakin walks away, or uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan walks away from this fight. I like that he doesn't even kill him. He just walks away from the fight, um, which I feel like is actually more of a slight, like, at, at least if he killed, like, Vader. But, like, he just leaves Vader because he's, I think it, it's like feeding the trolls. You know, just don't, don't give him attention. It makes them it, more like, mad. Uh, like, <laughs> like, like, it's kind of what he, it's kind of what he wants. And it's, it would be an act of mercy that he's not giving him because he's, you know, he's probably thought like I should have killed Anakin back, back there as an, like I walked away from this guy with his legs cut off, burnt, you know, and this been thinking about it. No, he walked away from a monster, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
he was already a monster when that happened and like yeah it's and there's also like why don't you kill him because he's gonna spread a lot of <laughs> misery across the galaxy but you know what they just they just bump Grande up into that position. So there's, I mean, there's always going to be a Darth Vader roaming around as long as the Emperor's around. So, yeah. And to be, and to be fully honest, Obi-Wan probably didn't expect him to survive. He didn't know Palpatine was on his way to pick him up. He probably thought right. he had died. So, um, but what, yeah, it, what but is essentially... Like put him out of his misery is what I'm... In yeah. Not leaving him there, like, sizzling on a rock, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Go, <"Rah!"> but, um... What I but what what it comes down to is what you said at the top of this episode. This entire series is essentially therapy, and it all comes down to closure. Obi Wan gets yeah. his closure. He can walk yeah. away. He he can finally let go of the path and past. I keep saying path. He and finally he gives, can let go of the past. Vader and, what he needs to walk away, but Vader doesn't won't take it because he's Vader. You know. Yeah, but like Obi Wan, let's go of the past, and now he can finally move forward towards the future. And yeah, this this show is therapy for Obi Wan. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's everything Vader, comes down to closure. And Vader. Vader gets his final motivation from 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 Papa in the next scene, though. Which we're gonna get to right now. You ready? That's all I had. I'm ready. Act I'm ready three. for the palps. Papa Palpatine. All right, Act Three. Obi-Wan races back to Tatooine because apparently he had a hyperdrive this whole time and Chris was right and I forgot about that. I don't know why they didn't just pile on the ship and go, but no one's got time for that. Um, and the planet is apparently really close to where Vader is because he gets there really fast. And remember everyone, hyperspeed mo hyperspace moves at the speed of plot. Always remember that in Star Wars. Anyway, Reva is hunting Luke and Luke is just like, oh God, and he gets pulled down a cliff by Reva. And he passes out. And Reva moves in for the kill. And she lifts her lightsaber. And she sees herself. And she sees herself and her friends. And she realizes that if she goes through and kills this child, she will become the very thing that she is trying to take revenge against. And that is essentially what she tells Obi-Wan. Because Obi-Wan arrives and like he runs over and Baru and Owen are just like, oh my God, we lost Luke. And he's like, what, oh God. And they're all panicking until they see Reva coming out, carrying Luke. And she gives Luke back to Baru and Owen. And Luke is alive. And Baru and Owen run away really fast and leaves Reva to Obi-Wan where she tells her lesson. And she is so scared that she has lost herself and Obi-Wan says that, no, giving Luke mercy, the thing that her fallen friends never got, she's given them peace and she's honored them. And he looks at her and goes, you know, Reva, as Jedi who were taken from our families and put into a cult and we had to raise and we never had a choice, we're going to have something that we've never had before. We can decide who we are going forward and you can figure out what you want to do. And Reva lays down her saber, which I hope one day Luke finds in the sand, and he's just like, oh, cool! And she lays down her saber, and Obi-Wan helps her off, and they go off into the night as free people, because they're free of Vader's hold over them. Anyway, 
no one's got time for that because Vader is calling Palpatine, and Vader's just like, and I'm gonna find Obi Wan, and when I find him, we are gonna have a nice, long, strongly worded Twitter session, and he's gonna have to listen to all my angry tweets about him. I've been writing so many tweets about Obi Wan, and you know what? And when I get him, I'm gonna find him, and I'm gonna dox him, and I'm gonna find him again, and I'm gonna hunt them down, and it's gonna be fine. And Pop is like, oh, okay, um. Uh, Lord Vader, I think you're kind of obsessed with this Obi-Wan guy, and you're kind of creeping me out, dude. Me? I'm a Sith Lord. You think I get creeped out easily? And, like, you're becoming a little much for me. So I'll tell you what. Don't obsess over Obi-Wan. Conceal, don't feel, bitch. And like Elsa, get back to fucking work. Capiche? And Vader's just like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's the end of Vader's story. <laughs> we jump ahead some unknown time, and Leia is taking being a princess much more seriously, and she gets dressed all on her own. It's a nice kind of book-in piece when she was running away from her duties, and now she wears her holster proudly. And the Organas all go out, and they greet their surprise guest, and it's Obi-Wan! And Obi-Wan gives her back Lola, and he greets Bail and Breha, and they say their thanks, and it's time for Obi-Wan to come over and say goodbye to Leia. And in an emotional moment, because we have to have one last round of Padme rights, Obi-Wan tells Leia exactly how she's like her real parents. And Leia does have a moment of just like, no, I know enough about them. I also have really great parents. And like looks over at Bail and Breha, and he's like, that's my girl. And he makes her promise that to keep their adventure a super big secret because- oh, I hit my microphone. A super big secret because if anybody found out about that, it would just put everybody in danger. And she's like, okay, I'm done. And they hug goodbye. And that's the end of that. And he flies away. So Bing goes back to Tatooine and then you know what? It's time to move out of his cave. And he's just like, I'm tired of this cave. This is my depression cave. I need to come out of this. And he packs up and he goes out to meet to the Lars homestead. And Owen comes over and he's just like, why are you here again? And he's like, I'm moving. I'm not going to stalk you guys anymore. And Owen's like, wait, you were stalking us? And he's like, I'm not going to do it anymore, though. I bought this nice, fancy hut, like, ten miles away by desert animal. And Owen's like, okay, you were stalking us? He's like, no. Well, I'm leaving. You take care of him. Call me if you need anything. And Owen's like, Ben... Do you want to officially meet Luke? And Obi-Wan's like, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. And he comes over and he looks at Luke and goes, hello there. And everyone's like, I did nothing! Ah! And the fandom freaks out. Anyway, so <laughs> the episode ends with Obi-Wan riding off towards the horizon. And he's going towards his new home. And you know who shows up? Qui-Gon Jinn! And he's just like... Master Qui-Gon, where were you for the whole show that I've been trying to call you? And Qui-Gon's like, oh, Obi-Wan, your head was so far up your ass you couldn't hear me. I was here the whole time. Come on, my friend. I have to tell you about all the fun stuff I did in Tales of the Jedi. And they go off together. The end. What'd you think of F3? It's good. It hits all the emotional beats 
it should hit. I'm not sure if it fell in this one, but like there's 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 a lot of like there's a lot of like like you said, he doing the thing, you know. Him saying hello there though is better than them doing the episode one thing where they had Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. They could have totally done an Obi-Wan Kenobi, meet Luke Skywalker, or a Ben Kenobi, meet Luke Skywalker, but they didn't. So, um, I like how Reva coming back with, with Luke sort of um, um, mirrored um, Anakin coming back with, his, with Shmi's body. Oh, I never thought about... Because Owen and Baru were there for that. Can you imagine how it's their It's the same heart... shot, yeah. Oh, my God. I never even connected that. Oh, God. That must have scared... The... Well, it did scare the shit out of Baru and Owen. But, oh, my God. Yeah. That was what... That was Holy what... And, and it also sets up for the viewer that he's dead, you know? Although, you know he's probably... I mean, you know he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the crazy shit if they actually killed Luke Skywalker and having to, like... That's when the world between worlds comes back. <laughs> yeah, it would have been that would have been a uh, that would have been a newsmaker. But yeah, yeah. So that that was a nice little bit of mirroring from from episode two, I believe it is. Um, the the one thing that that I just wonder. Okay, like we don't know. Like he could have had a a fairly decently long trip you know it, it, it might not have been a 10 minute hyperdrive trip because you know who knows how long owen and Baru were looking for luke when he showed up what i wonder is owen and Baru are just out in the front yard they did not notice that spaceship land in their front yard <laughs> he, he he lands the, the spaceship out and gets out and goes oh and brew and they like turn around and it's like you didn't notice that spaceship just land right there <laughs> hey I, I will say, as someone who's had, like, a niece wander off, like, down the street, you don't notice anything when you a get that A spaceship landing's pretty loud, though. It's like, Wheel! You don't notice anything when you're panicking and looking for a child. Like, I actually ran into a street and almost got hit by a car looking for my niece. <laughs> like, at you the don't same, at, at the same time, they were also, like, you know, they probably were also, like, would be pretty keyed into, like, somebody, Ben Kenobi coming to help them, so... <laughs> But you know that's just a minor, minor little thing. Oh boy, is it is it is it great to see Palps? It's always just so great to see Palps. He's perfect in it. I'm like watching his hand and his hands doing little quivers. It's just yeah. Can I can I slide in for like um my yeah. my little like bullshit note about Palps? My bullshit note about Palps is that scene opens and like Vader is ranting. He's like, I'm going to do everything to fucking find Obi-Wan Kenobi and kill him. And I'm going to do everything in my power. And literally, like when he shuts up, Palpatine does not say anything for like a solid three seconds and just stares at him. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me laugh because he has this look on his face of just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's I don't think it's supposed to be played for comedy, but it makes me laugh because like like Anakin's just ranting and like he silences and like Palpatine stares at him for three seconds before talking. <laughs> it, it's not comedy. 
funny. It probably shouldn't be, but I find it funny as it hell. It is comedy. It's palp. It's so it's good. Comedy. He's having fun. He's he, always, ha- always having fun. Yeah, yeah. Rule number one, always have fun. But I love it. I love it. Just when, whenever you can give me my palps in general, but Ian McDermott, palps, Gimme, 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 gimme. Um, a nice use of the force theme in in this, as far as using the original John music. My only other note is Alderaan is basically Switzerland. I just realized that is actually true. We uh, in Clone Wars, um, that was Switzerland's the inspiration for it. I, I remember just doing... seeing the trees and then the Alps in the background. I'm like, oh yep. yeah, and it's like you're the, not wrong. It's like the place, <laughs> it's like the place in the middle. Yeah, it's 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 space. Spacerland. Yep, you're not wrong. But that's all I say. I, 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 I really. They, I, I mean, they got to do it. They have to Lord of the Rings at at the end and wrap everything up. But they do it well. All the emotional beats are sat are 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 either satisfying and enough, or they're very very satisfying and great. So. Boy, that's that's a hell of a thing to pull off. If this was Lord of the Rings, I would still be writing the outline for the episode. Well, that, right, but you know, so the, many the, the last, the, the last, the last. Lord I know of what the you Rings mean. I had to have the five endings at the end yeah. of it. To, to, oh yeah, I know to, what you mean. But, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I'm gonna preface this my first note. I do think it's fast because of the lack of time in the show. Yeah. So I'm gonna just say this now. And now I'm going to say all the positives of it. I love Reva's redemption. I love it so much. And there's two big reasons why I love it. Um, I love that she realizes that it, it like her, her redemption is something that she realizes herself. Because, yeah, a few episodes ago, Obi-Wan put the idea in her head that she could be good again. But it's something, it's a conclusion that Reva comes to on her own volition and her own autonomy. And she realizes that if she strikes down Luke, she will become Vader. And essentially this re- redemption is Reva saves herself. And I love that about it. She is the one that stops herself. Nobody else stops her. Obi-Wan doesn't run in last minute and like talk her out of it. She stops herself and realizes what she's doing. And I think that's amazing. And that's so awesome. I don't I don't think they would have pulled it off if it wasn't for her <laughs> acting. Moses Ingram like, is a fantastic she, the, the, actor. The scene she does here with Obi Wan, she, for crying, she's crying like great sloppy, t- you know, just soaking her face with tears and acting with Ewan McGregor, and it and it works. She makes it, you know, it is fast, but if it wasn't, if it wasn't so well, it was. It's well written and well acted, and it it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think. I know Moses Ingram went to a very prestigious school. I think she took acting at Yale, I think, if I remember correctly. Like, she's a pedigree actor. Um, And the second reason I love it, in big letters I wrote, she doesn't die, hallelujah. Because it's it's really such far more interesting story to me. This outcome is so much more interesting than if they had killed her last episode. Because killing characters is easy. Having them actually work through their atonement is harder. And now she has a chance to have a much more interesting redemption story than Anakin or Ben Solo 
ever got because they redeemed and were killed and never got to like see the end of it. She is going to have to live with this choice and atone. And I started thinking, what a fucking fresh concept in Star Wars where a villain redeems and doesn't die. We have so few examples on screen. I am saying on screen because I know books and comics does it way more. But like on screen, we don't get it very often. We have like Callus and Rebels. We have Asajj Ventress walking away and becoming a gray character. We have Tam going to the First Order and coming back. And then whatever's happening with Crosshair right now in Bad Batch. Like, we don't have a lot of on-screen, like, instances. And then live action, it's even less. Because if it's a live action Star Wars, if you redeem, you're almost, uh, like, in the coffin. Like, well, there's a lot less live action Star Wars, too. Yeah. <laughs> a lot less in there, room in there to do that. Yeah. But I, I love this redemption because she chooses it for herself. She saves herself and she doesn't die. And I... It breaks my heart when she asked Obi-Wan, like, if she becomes Vader, because, no, she didn't, like, she, she didn't, she never passed the point of no return, and it's such a hopeful message that, like, even with Vader and, and Kylo Ren, like, it's never too late for anyone, I think that's, like, such, that is such a message of Star Wars that it's never too late to go back and, like, fix things, It'll ne- you can never, like, fully fix everything, but at least you can try to be better. And then the other part that's, like, really interesting to me that kind of got me is Ben says that Reva can become whoever she wants. And it kind of hit me that this is coming from the point of view of a Jedi. Because the whole point of this is, like, letting go of the, like, in this, like, post-Order 66 world. He and her were both brought into the Jedi Order as children against their will. They were thrown into this Clone Wars and then into the Empire, and at no point did they ever really have a choice in any of this. And so, like, not a big part of this redemption for Reva is the ability to have a choice, which is something that she's never really had. Because with anybody, any character, choice is one of the biggest parts of atonement. And what you do with your life and the choices that you make once you redeem is a big part of what defines your atonement. Like, again, with Callus and Rebels, he could have just ran off and, from the Empire and hid. But no, he chose to join the Rebellion to fight back. And that's I mean, why how, his... how, how old can Reva be, even, at this point? She's probably right? about, I would say, 20? about 20-ish. Yeah. I have to did. say. I was going to say, because, I mean, the actress looks a little older than that. But, I mean, she couldn't have been more than 10 years old when... You know, it had to be like, and then there's been a 10-year gap. So, yeah, 20 years old. Yeah, she's about 20. So she's really just an adult now. She's really mm-hmm. just, like, at a point of, like, autonomy now. Like, you know, mentally be able to be fully autonomous. And so, like, yeah, she's been basically a, a kid that's either been under the under the rule or whatever, under the guidance, whatever you want to call it, of the Jedi, and then... Right after that, just got grabbed up and made a pawn of of the Sith, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. So, so I cho- just... choice is like it's sketchy whether how much choice she had up to this point. Yeah, and so this is the first time, and that's why I really like the line where Obi Wan says, "You're free. We both are," because now she is for the first time ever able to actually like make a choice of her own. And I, I just I also like that scene coming from a Jedi. Like, Obi-Wan is, like, 
the prime example of like the classic Jedi order, but it's gone. They're in a post order 66 world. And for him to be like, no, you don't have to be beholden to the Jedi. You don't have to be beholden to the Sith. Like you can do whatever you want coming from somebody who was raised in the Jedi order. Like, I, I just really think that's so interesting that he's like giving him, like he's like freeing her, not just from that one, but he's also freeing her from like the Jedi controlling her as well. From whatever and, he's saying, your future is open now. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, the, the empire, Vader thinks she's dead. Yeah. What's funny is is in in Vader toying with you know toying with her and and killing her with and doodling around with the the Inquisitor. He totally missed a clue to where his son was. Mm-hmm. Lying on the ground right there. And he. And he... I definitely. That's funny. I, the, the the how it should have ended actually touches on that with like Vader just being like, I have kids. <laughs> Go watch the how it should have ended with, with about this series. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, like I, I love Reva's Redemption. Like, yes, it's it's flawed and not perfect because of the lack of time. But I think for what it is, it's really great. And as you said, a lot of it is Moses Ingram acting the fuck out of the scene because she's so good. I mean, I still stand by my fever dream, you know, hot mess fever dream. But, but like, you know, I thought like with the first time I saw it, I was like, that pulled it off. And then as time went on, I was like, well, we'll see how it holds up to time, you know, and further scrutiny and stuff. But uh, it actually got better on the second viewing. So I'm really psyched. I just had two experience. I just watched uh, for a. Uh, the horror vault it's been out for a couple weeks uh um jordan peele's nope for a second time was it good have you seen nope and have i want to seen... see it so okay, bad so I, won't say it, so I won't say anything about it but yeah nope is good it's great it's been and my i, I the, really wanted to see it like the time when i was supposed to see it in theaters like i just couldn't get around to oh, seeing it's it one of those it's one of those the less you know about it the better and the first time you see it like on so many levels you're going what the fuck is going on here uh, uh, you know like from the very beginning you're just like it's it's a little it's a little confusing you're like where's you know what is this a story of whatever it comes together in jordan peele style amazingly you know very well thought out amazingly and it you know pays tribute to a lot of you know filmmakers of the past or whatever and it has a whole bunch of like subtext and stuff to it. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, that was fantastic. A little bit, little bit of fat that could have been trimmed out of it. There were little, you know, like a little bit of aspect of throwing everything against the wall, see what sticks and pretty much almost all of it sticks. The second time I watched it, I realized I was wrong about all. The second time I watched it, I love this movie. The second time I watched it, I realized there is no fat in this movie. There is nothing that doesn't have meaning and relate to something else in it that you see in it. And uh, and it's yeah, yeah, it's just a amazingly tied together. Every every aspect of it, you know, is is it's it's a it's yeah, definitely one of the like movies if you want to check out like true cinema, like classical cinema quality you know where we're a production that's thought up top to bottom yeah go watch nope <laughs> I, um, I i really be i'd really love to hear your your thoughts on it because it's it's a fantastic movie yeah i usually don't like horror but that was one that, that i really wanted to see <laughs> it's 
it's and I hear it's more suspense than horror. It's it's pop horror, so it's more like Jaws, you know. It's not monster. It's not like you know, ugly monster ripping, you know, people slasher, you know, that sort of you know action monster movie. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's more of a it's it's a horror movie, but it's more about it's more of a tension movie, you know, than a than a horror movie. It's it's you yeah, know. Yeah, that's what I've heard about it. Um, I do adore that Anakin was going to keep on obsessing over Obi-Wan until Palpatine was like, no. Yeah. And I I, I find that really interesting because like. Palpatine had to be the final step in that thing to be like, you know, that had to be the because because Vader was like, good. Now I'm Vader. You know, he he, even Obi-Wan says I'm Vader now kill kill Obi-Wan and like Palpatine cut the legs off that. And so what's left? You're just, you're Vader, you know? Mm-hmm. So like all of these things also all are little, little things that can nudge him towards, you know, return of the Jedi when he actually turns back. So, you know, this not now, now, like this is probably the first like, um, touches of him starting to resent Palpatine the way that Anakin had resentment towards Obi-Wan, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Absolutely, because he's like, Dad's not letting me do my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the rest of my notes are just kind of like little ones. Um, I do like Leia's tiny little arc because she started like wanting to shirk all her princess duties and like we're seeing her take it more to heart and like also wearing Tala's holster. Remember her dad. Remember her dad told her someday you're gonna understand why you know you think politics are this and that right now, but you'll understand why they're this and that. And now she, now she does. She's seen it. She saw yeah, it firsthand. She, what it does. She's seen it. Yeah. It and goes back to that like line of I think it's like episode whatever episode has uh, Frick Frack Frick the fascist alien. Um, but she says something along the lines of like, I thought the Empire was good. And Obi-Wan's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's not that black and white. And like, she has seen it now. Like, she's seen what happens when the Empire has full <laughs> she's power. She's strapped to their torture in, in one of their torture rooms. So, yeah. yeah, and she's seen how it actually affects And it won't the be the last time. <laughs> and she sees how people has been affected under the Empire. Like, she watched these, she was on a ship with people being actively hunted and could have died. Like, yeah. Yep. So I, I do like that little, and that, that she's now wearing like Tala's holster and taking it more. I, I thought it's a nice little arc for her. Um, I do wonder if the line "I think you should sleep" was improvised because Ewan's reaction seems very genuine. It does. Ewan's to me, also a fucking great actor, but he yeah, is a it fucking great been. actor. So if it I, was improvised, hats off to this little girl that's improvising dialogue with Ewan McGregor. Yeah, hats off to her. She's yeah. holding her own. Um, I love the symbolism of him finally moving out of his depression cave. <laughs> Time Symbol- to leave the cave. Yeah. All symbolism. I thought when he left is the Jawas are going to come back and be like, what did he leave behind? Just this box. Well, it's a good box. Grab it. I know. Tika's going to come back and she's going to be like, Obi-Wan, I fucking brought you soap. Oh, you're gone. I'm taking the rest of your shit. <laughs> like, Tika would definitely take his shit and go. <laughs> because we love Tika. We stay in Tika here. Maybe, 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 maybe we should ship them. Maybe we should ship Tika here. Tika, Tika would break him. Tika on. Tika, actually, the only person that Tika would probably not break is Pelimoto, and I don't know how long Jawas live for. But 
Pelly could easily be like 20-ish well, now. Well, that's why I say with... this is Pelly set the precedent that humans and Jawas are are sexually compatible in some way, you know? Yeah. Actually, t- might have Pelly... been That might have been their way of flirting. That might have been their post-coital flirting. If as of right now. If Pelly's like 50-ish, uh, how old is Amy Sedaris? Hold on. I don't want to like... <laughs> I know, but I'm looking something up. Uh, Amy Sedaris is 61. So let's say like, th- like Pelly is like in her 20s, maybe early 30s here. Like she could totally fuck Tika and like rock it at night. Like I ship that. Like I'm here for that. Like Pelly is like in Moss Eisley, like meeting up with Tika, like living her like 25 year old best life and like totally rocking Tika's world. So like, she had a lesbian and a uh, and, uh, straight affair with Oh, it's been really firmly established that Pelly is a pansexual icon. She will be with the anybody. Yeah, Pelly is a, yeah. Firmly a pansexual icon. There might be, like, several other words for Pelly. She seems to be just like, yeah. Like, step aside, Lando and Solo. She might be, like, more like a a daredevil, you know? Like, (laughs) Lando and Solo needs to step aside because Pelly is what a pansexual icon actually looks like. Um, and finally, Qui-Gon. So, I'm going to preface this by saying I always love Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon. He's one of my favorite parts of Tales of the Jedi, is actually having him as Qui-Gon. And this series built up so much to Qui-Gon that I do like the scene, but I wish it was, like, 20 he, seconds longer. He didn't get a chance to act Exactly. I wish but, it was like and, 20 seconds. This is where I wish the Lord of the Rings ending was. Because I feel I will, like this needs to be like 20, 30 seconds longer. I will say that Liam Neeson is one of the people. I mean, you and McGregor too, but he didn't have as much to do. Uh, even though he was in all three movies. Liam Neeson like was able to like, even though his, even though it was a fairly rock-like <laughs> performance, which Liam Neeson is sort of known for, not sort of known for, is he's he's got a very rock style. <laughs> and not like Dwayne Johnson the Rock, like, you know, like throw it Vader rock style of, of acting. Uh, so, like... I don't think you're going to get anything like super emotive out of him anyway. Like, you know, you're not going to, he's not going to get as much of a chance to like really. And now he's now like his only potential for future appearances is force ghost, which is force ghosts are pretty formal because I, I'm, I don't know. I won't go into like, cause that's a whole other conversation why I think force ghosts are well, really, is it really like Qui-Gon there? Like, Oh, I was just hanging out in the after. It's more like a manifestation through the force of the essence of Qui-Gon or whatever. So it would be like if they had him in further. St- I think it would be fun if they just sort of had them as like, like the odd couple in Obi-Wan's and, and, you know, Obi-Wan's messing up the, the well, face and Qui-Gon's like, clean this up. This is, this is not becoming of a Jedi. That would be fun, but but keep in mind what I said at the top of this is Liam Neeson has said that he's done. Like this was his last appearance as Qui Gon because he's retiring the the role. So yeah. this well, is probably good for, good for him because that's sort of an activist sort of thing. Because he's like, I'm going to make Qui Gon mysterious. <laughs> but I but I do think like 
if this is the last time that we ever see him as Kwayon, I think it's a nice little bookend. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we start we start his journey, we end it, like this is it. Like so yep. I, I think it's a nice little bookend, but I do wish like yep. if we're gonna have five Lord of the Rings endings, this is the one that I wish they spent like thirty more seconds on. <laughs> because everyone kind of assumed that Qui-Gon was coming and then he's here and he's barely there. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't do anything. And you're right, yeah. he like, doesn't That's... get a chance to act. That's kind of what I expected, though. So, yeah. Yeah, me but... too. But that's all I have, Chris. Do you have anything else? No. All right, well, score it up for me. I gave this one a nine point five. I, I this one has some. This one has some. Like, I think some episodes might have been like technically better, but this one really. This one really. It. It. it, it what? What the hell is the phrase? It. 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 Um whatever it does to the landing it sticks the landing it, it it totally like takes something that i was like very skeptical and averse to trying to do which was getting obi-wan and darth vader back together to fight and it does it and it does it not just acceptably but it it it, it really like gives it gives it a reason to exist this 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 doesn't just exist just because it's like Disney wants to make some Star Wars money and everybody wants to see Ewan McGregor. They they wrote it to give it to give it a, an honest bit of emotional resonance with the the rest of ma- the material. Which I gotta say, hats off. I don't know if I could have figured out how to do it. So I'm I'm very satisfied with with Obi Wan Kenobi's. I hope there's no. I I really hope. Once again, I say I hope there's no season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but if they pull it off, that would be great. But I really yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I'm kind of torn whether or not. I don't see how they could do it, but they did this. But there's really, like, there's not as much. They they really mined the big stuff. for. They really got the big stuff in there, for, like, right off the top. So anything after this is going to be fairly, like, lower stakes and... You know, I mean, they got away with this one, even though we know, like, you know, the fate of uh, all the the huge, you know, characters from, you know, they're stuck in their 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 fates in it. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I, I, I'm kind I kind of would be I kind of would be happy as this just existing as it is as as what it is. Leave it at that. As you were talking, it just dawned on me that I have to do evolution next week, and I have no idea who the fuck I'm going to do. <laughs> Lola evolution. I actually was kind of thinking about Lola evolution, but she's not with Obi Wan for episode one. <laughs> so um, no, yeah, but I, she could be reviewing tapes. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. I did actually, as I, that did cross my mind, is doing a Lola evolution. Flea evolution. Huh? Flea evolution, and it ends on the second. <gasps> no, I just figured it out. And I'm not going to tell you because it's a surprise. In fact, I'm going to open the Google Doc right now and write it down right now. Oh, no, no. I think I know what it is because that's why you went, because is it perfect? Is the name for it perfect? No. Okay, never mind. Then it isn't. I just thought of the perfect. I don't know if it would be the perfect volution to do, but it would be the perfect volution to do with a name. You tell me, but I won't tell you what I thought. I want to hear what you say. Okay. The revolution that is actually really good (laughs) i 
That's why I thought you were. Oh, I thought no, I thought we were thinking no, but that the same is actually thing. And I was really like, good. oh, she's right. That would be perfect name. No. I don't think be a perfect one to do evolution. Oh, but it you're right. That would have been. Name. That would have been right. Oh. Eyes, yeah. Ah, uh, but it's not. I, I actually, I really like the idea I just came up with because it's actually really easy and. Yeah. Anyway. Well, at least we got it out. It's out there anyway. That's good. Yeah, but Revolution is actually the really idea good. of it is probably better than the reality. So there you go. Because she's not there for a lot of the stuff too. Right, so that, right. That's a, I had. A, I thought of a character that is there for the entire thing. All right. Say so. no more. Say no more. So yeah. I don't want to yeah. start thinking about it. Um. Anyway, so I also gave it a nine point five. I I thought it was solid. Um, yes. Like, like I. You know, I'm not going to judge an individual episode about like my thoughts of the series as a whole, which is it really, again, needs one more episode so things can gel. But it hits all the emotional beats. It closes it all. It closes the therapy. <laughs> a satisfying end ending is a rare thing these days. Especially in a Star Wars. Yeah, in they, Star Wars. They want to keep everything so open ended so they can pick it up somewhere else. And so to have like a solid closed ending for a show yeah on on this what they chose to tell the story of yeah yeah hats off yeah. <laughs> absolutely so i yeah i also give a 9.5 out of 10 i enjoyed the crap out of it if anything just to see my poor grande boyfriend one last time thank you for bringing my grande back i love him so well as always we would love to hear your feedback on itunes twitter the two true freaks facebook page and discord i'm also keeping an eye on our discord to see stuff i know our good buddy bucho has hey, just Bucho. Bucho! We, he just joined our discord so i definitely gave him a little shout out and uh gene gene the podcast machine and i have been chatting on there too so if you want to know how to get to the discord just like message me and chris and like we'll let you in and stuff also hope and i were talking earlier i might as well throw it out here now like now that we're not now that we're setting get a little two true freaks discord set up i was you know just reading about the part where you can like you know share like if you're playing like something on your screen you can share it with all the people on a call in discord and i was thinking i want to do some I, I i would i think it would be fun to have some just meetups to watch stuff what and the question is would you guys be interested in doing that and if so what kind of stuff would you be into for a for like uh you know discord watch party basically maybe basically. we can Maybe in a separate Discord we can actually make hope makes Chris watch cartoons. <laughs> Chris actually gets oh, to finally yeah, watch Avatar. Yeah, no, we could just uh, maybe you could turn that into just something in Discord where we'll we'll go and watch we'll we'll watch. We'll finally we'll finally watch Avatar. You'll <laughs> <laughs> get my earth bending jokes of this episode. <laughs> You'll know who top. I don't. I don't know if I'd want to do <coughs> Avatar because I would like to leave that open to like sometime some someday finishing it off whether it's you know when i have a stable five, job five or ten panicking. years from now it doesn't matter you know yeah i will one day finish that i it is my goal but i have to get stable job first so i'm not like working until all hours and shit anyway but we would love to hear your feedback <laughs> and this week our feedback comes from uh from twitter for our princess mononoke episode and so to give us some context which is what the first thing chris would was read uh the first one is me quote tweeting about the episode and then that's where we got our feedback from so uh yeah to take away our princess mononoke feedback chris okay so hope said on twitter 
and a twist, since I'm the one that usually doesn't watch movies, Chris got to see Princess Mononoke for the first time. At one point in the commentary, he got so quiet that I thought the call dropped. He apologized because he was so engrossed in the movie that he forgot to talk. And Aaron Hen- Henley said, that's a very good reaction to have. And Hope said, he loved it, Aaron. Like, just so enamored with it. And Aaron said, show him some more Ghibli then. And Hope said, I definitely gave him the starter list. And Aaron said, oh, I wish I could be there to see when he sa- sees Totoro, which I have not seen. Totoro. Really good. Totoro. You, you want to know? You want to know a really cute uh, uh, tidbit about uh, my neighbor Totoro? So um, I think it's Pan's Labyrinth, where it had like the the little girl actress. Uh huh. And that movie is directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yep. And she couldn't pronounce his name correctly, so she called him Totoro. Oh, it's cute. I that know. That is cute. He loved it. I'm sure. I'm sure he did. So, um, yes, uh, I I'm so happy. But it's true. Like, if you've you know, you guys have probably maybe I, don't, I assume that you've listened to our Princess Mononoke commentary, and there was a point where Chris got really quiet, and I was like, "Are you still here?" I'm watching it. Yeah, <laughs> you were so engrossed with it, and I was like, "This is the good reaction to have." <laughs> You needed to watch it five times before the commentary. <laughs> uh, well, that's all I have. Kenobi is done. <gasps> We're about to do Andor. Blah, yes. blah, blah. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, please expect some longer episodes, at least in the front half, as we lay down all the groundwork for the later stuff in Andor. So <laughs> Once we get the groundwork laid out, we'll be able to, to like... Pretty, pretty much plow through it, yeah. Yeah, I think the first three episodes are probably going to be, like, the ground... Actually, I would say maybe the first four, because the, I think it's episode four that Dedra is introduced. Um, but, yeah, once we get through those first, like, four episodes, like, the rest of the episode, is the show is just like, and here's the fallout! Once it establishes <laughs> its themes, it just goes with them. So, yeah, that... that yep. Yeah. Um, but that's all I have, Chris. Where can we find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That is our website where we keep all our podcasts. You can go there and see what everybody's posting, see all the back episodes that are the, the vast, vast archive of back episodes. Or if you just want to like keep up on up on it with your social media, you can go to Facebook and go to the Two True Freaks podcast page where you can see all the episodes that get posted up. And, you know, and then in your leisure, you can go back to Two True Freaks to to find all the back episodes. But if you want to sort of see who's posting stuff and what's up with Two True Freaks, that, that happens there. We got the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our hangout spot. Now we have a Two True Freaks Discord. And if you're hanging out on that Facebook and Twitter, you'll you'll see invites to the to the Discord and uh yeah, and uh, what else? Oh, God, that's right. It's still alive, still barely kicking. And just on a serious note, if you are on Twitter, change your Twitter password regularly. I have uh, malware uh, software that, that you know, regularly does, you know, checks, you know, dark web checks to see, you know, if any of my passwords are and stuff are, you know, in 
any of my information is are in vast troves of you know hacked stuff literally two weeks after elon musk took over um uh twitter i didn't find out but i just found out about it the other day but two weeks after like my password was on for twitter was on the dark web you know my username and password oh shit yeah 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 so uh yeah, it, the, you know, right about the time he fired all the <laughs> security people is probably when everybody went in and started just like, <laughs> you know, sucking stuff, sucking info down. So so Twitter isn't the safest place for your information, or, or at least for your uh, um, Twitter uh, Twitter information. So change your, change your password regularly. But you can, after you've changed your password, go check out Two True Freaks at... Uh, at um at, at, on Twitter, you just search for Two True Freaks, and you'll find our our Twitter page, which is run by Gene. Gene, he's not a bot machine. I am not a bot, says Gene. <laughs> Mark all the things that are motorcycles, Gene. <laughs> but that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter, where I post stuff like, look how dark this image from Kenobi is that I can't fucking see on my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can also find me at HopeMonax. If you go there, I have my link tree, and it has a list of all the stuff I do, like uh, I'm dreading for Dork Side of the Force, which we are gearing up with it being Mando and Bad Batch Eve. Oh my god! (laughs) I don't understand Star Wars. Um, I'm also a staff writer for the Geeky Waffle, where I've been doing Bad Batch reviews, and we've been really, like, kicking up our, um, YouTube page for the Waffles, and I've been, I have some cool stuff that I have in the works, like, a thing I recorded with my best friend Megan for Interview with a Vampire. I also did my first YouTube short that I made all by myself, and I'm so proud of it, and it's all about Pokemon, so we are... I would actually really appreciate it if you guys check out the Geeky Waffle YouTube. Um, we are so close to monetizing, so like, please like, just go watch stuff. That'd be great. <laughs> and I am also part of For Light and Dice, um, and it is a real play tabletop podcast. We are really rolling dice. We are going on a Star Wars adventure. We're playing Star Wars 5e. I play a character on there. We're having so much fun, and the the second story arc is underway. And yeah, I'm having a fun time over at Forlorn Dice, so go check that out as well. Oh boy, Chris. I am excited to do the Kenobi wrap up next season, or next week, next season. Uh, next week, and yeah. It'll be one of our shorter wrap ups, that's for sure. Are we gonna do like what we did for Book of Boba Fett instead of picking like top five episodes, just rank the episodes? <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're about to say top five episodes. There's only six episodes. We might as well. Yeah, yeah. Just 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 like if if we were doing top five, we might as well just do like which episode, (laughs) bottom episode. (laughs) Yeah, I that's I figured as much. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So and come back to see what the evolution's gonna be. Ah, Now that I I have an idea, like I know what I'm gonna do. You know, it's not gonna be the revolution. I, I, that is such a cl- like a clever name, but no, it's not going to be the revolution. I know what it's going to be. So, anyway, talk to you guys next week. Yeah, maybe someday we'll get a character named Evo, on, in an epi- in a in a show, and uh, we'll be able to really, really hit the Ooh. hit the sweet spot. All right, that's all I got to say. All right, bye guys. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs>
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. That is freaky.